All right, welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host Toby Morris. Today I have f- my friend, and this is a long time coming. I know this guy for many, many years. We've been trying to get him on the pod. There's a pandemic. There's all kinds of shit going on. But over 20 years, um, I've known you, and it's an honor to have you here. I guess I, I, I always call you just Fletcher, but Fletcher Pennywise. But Draghi Dra- Dra- is your last name. Yep, it's a Draghi. hard last name. It's a weird one. No, it's interesting though. But People always call you Fletcher. They don't see your phone. I know, yeah. Sure. People are like, what's your name? I'm like, Fletcher. They're like, what's your first name? I'm like, that is. They're like, what? <laughs> what's your last name? Draggy. They're like, what? What the fuck? So it's like a double weird <laughs> It's a cool name, name. though. But yeah. We're, it, when you're a kid, it sucks, but now it's a little cooler. Are kids kids trip on your name in school and stuff? There was a book called like Fletcher the Dog That Hatched, hatched from an Egg. I got <laughs> really? a lot of shit. That was a big like child's book, so I got a lot of shit on that one wow when i was a youngster but hey were you, were you as tall as you were and big as you were as a kid i was always pretty tall but i was pretty skinny okay you, you, you probably saw me in some skinny days maybe yeah for sure then. i've seen different versions of you yeah throughout these years just uh, you know trying to get back to my fighting weight <laughs> but apparently that's every weight yeah yeah i was gonna say there's really no yeah. weight for that for you yeah. um so you were born out here you're born Eber in hermosa beach uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Redondo. Yeah. Redondo. Actually, yeah, there's like Manhattan Hermosa Redondos, the South Bay. Some people include like Torrance and San Pedro and shit, but most people it's just Manhattan Hermosa Redondos. So yeah, Redondo Hospital. That's where I was birthed. You were birthed. And uh and you, you and how was it growing up in California? Or was it like living like by the beach? You live by the beach, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I grew up started off like a couple blocks from the beach and then moved a couple more blocks away. But it was uh it was cool. Just grew up, you know, going to the ocean. like Surfing? S- yep. Started off, like, obviously body surfing and boogie boarding when I was a little little child and then got into surfing and that, I mean, I, I, I was skateboarding before I surfed. I, I think, I, think I skate, started skate when I was, like, three or four, literally. Damn. Yeah. Obviously, those days are kind of coming to Were you a good end. skater? <laughs> I, you know, I was all right. I could, street skate? I could, they, yeah, pools. I, you know, throw up some grinds, a couple... Couple backside airs, couple maybe two or three completed frontside airs back in the day. Sick. Yeah, and you know it's the usual shit. I used to skate like with uh, TA and Jay, oh, wow. Jay Adams a little bit. Like all like I had a bunch of friends that were hanging with them. So like the uh, Dogtown crew. Yeah. Cooksey and Munsky and all those guys. Mondo. We had some pretty good sessions. We'd roll around to ditches, backyard pools, uh, pi- half pipes all over. You know. Everything, skate parks, blah, blah, blah. Concrete wave. Venice isn't that far from there, right? No, no, it's close. For people listening, yeah, it's they're really pretty close. Alva's house was a pretty, pretty good hang. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Were, you, were you a wild kid as you are an adult? Like, how were you growing up? Like, how were you in school? Uh, pretty bad. I think I got, <laughs> uh, I think when I was in first grade, my mom, it was like the first call to the principal's office. And yeah. my, my, the principal told my mom I was antagonizing the other kids so that's i was starting early on torturing people wow what is that i mean you had you have a, you had a sibling growing up as well are you yeah, young, was yeah, a younger, younger brother, brother yeah three years younger christian so just you two is no other that was it and what and were your parents together or are they together um my mom's still here my dad's been gone about god about 15 years or something oh, like wow, that okay. a while um but yeah they were they were partiers. My dad was like a bar fly. So okay. he construction work and then come home and, uh, you know, 2.30 in the morning, throw on a T-bone steak and destroy the house, get crazy. You know, one of those childhoods. Wow. So they weren't, they weren't strict religious. It was like kind of. Oh, he was strict as fuck, but he, you know, he was, he was I, I hate to say he was a drunk, but like, yeah, he was, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. 
like six nights a week, you know. I mean, he was like taught me how to, I wound up doing construction my whole life with him. He's like really good role model except for the boozing and yeah. the uh, verbal and physical assaults that Damn. occurred in the pad. And then my mom can't beat him, join him, but she'd just come home from work at like five TRW and she'd start boozing. So we just hit the road, like me and my brother, go skate the neighborhood, do whatever. And then- you Outside know, a lot. Yeah, outside and then come home, have dinner. My mom would have us in bed by 10. Dad would come home at like two, wake the household up, go go crazy. So your mom the, was trying to have some structure. Your mom was trying to have dinner together. No, she was boozing. She was okay, straight okay. up. Her nickname was Kinchotka Karen. What does Va- that mean? It's vodka. Kinchotka. Oh, shit, okay. I turned her out at my brother's funeral on that too. I'm like, hey, does anyone remember my mom's nickname? Like, Kinchotka. It's just from the audience. My mom was in the front row. She was pissed. But she's she's a good sport. Like she's eighty six. She's oh, rolling, wow. smoking weed with me, cruising, pretty independent. Um, smoking weed got, now still. Yeah, she got. I got her sober when she was seventy one. I'm like, because my my dad had passed away, and then um, my brother, my brother was he? Yeah, my brother was still alive, I think. And I put her in rehab, and uh, she was like, I don't want to. I don't want to be here. They, you know, they took my pillow. They took my Valium. I'm like, yeah, that's what they do. They take your Valium and they, <laughs> they restructure your shit. But she, she did 30 days in, in Pedro okay. in a rehab with a bunch of tweaker kids. And they are all, like a bunch of more Pennywise fans. So she got like red carpet treatment oh my God. and um, still has friends from there. She never wound up going to meetings, but she just, she goes, I just realized I can't drink anymore. And yeah. so she's been sober ever since. And so, I mean, weed's legal now, right? So, like, why not? Why not get grandma get high, yeah. get her high? So she's she's into it. It's pretty hilarious. Did you did you start drinking at a young age too? Being around it? Yeah, I started. Uh, I probably like thirteen or something. I probably started smoking weed at about twelve, wow. and then moved into drinking pretty sh- quickly after that. Just like sneaking some vodka and shit from mom, and and then by the time I was, you know, no, yeah, you know, like junior high you're you're partying at the dance you're, you're having a couple of beers and shit and, yeah and then by junior high it was on it was like straight into everything that you could get your hands on wow by and the so, time i was 14 i was rolling hard you were yeah we in the streets weed quaaludes you know coke coke pcp by the time i was 15 i think i was dusting and uh, yeah it was Holy dropping shit. acid it was it was pretty crazy. And your grades were all shitty at school. Pfft, I didn't go to school. <laughs> I didn't go to school. You didn't go at all. I didn't. Fucking, Did you graduate? Uh, no. Hell Damn. No. I didn't. I, I homework was a joke. Like who the fuck's gonna go to school for eight hours and then go home and do math or some shit? I just, I like, I I only need five credits to get my diploma. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I just went to school. I went to. I basically used to go to high school just to like take cars. You know, steal cars. Yeah, just go get a couple. I had a couple cars there. Holy that I would shit. borrow. I bring them back. So I just ride my bike at like nine o'clock, get the car, go cruising, smoke some dust, smoke some weed, drive, you know, Palos Verdes, go surfing. Had a couple friends that would roll with me. Like, yeah. And then just bring it back by like 2.30 and go do whatever and then come back the next day and get a different one. So I, I just, school, it was, high school was just like a playground basically. I didn't, yeah. I didn't go. I just went to socialize. Yeah, were well, you going? To, you start going to shows and punk shows in yep. high school too, or earlier yep, probably. Yep. Right? Uh, no, high school it was yeah. like 80, 80, 81, I guess. I don't keep track, but uh, I think my first real show that I would call—I mean, I went and saw the Blasters, but they were considered kind of punk back yeah. then. They're rad, but I think my first real show was Devonshire Downs, Wasted Youth, The Chiefs, The Stains, TSOL Adolescence. Sick. Scary. 
it was scary, scary for back a kid, then, right? Fuck, dude, I was like fifteen or something, you know, fourteen, fifteen. I don't remember. And uh, yeah, it was scary as fuck. Older dudes, there wasn't a, like a lot of, you know, yeah. Like right then, everyone was kind of like seventeen, eighteen, yeah. 19. So like being like fourteen, fifteen. But you were still big, fourteen, fifteen. I was skinny, a skinny little kid, but yeah. I was tall. But yeah, it wasn't. It didn't. It was scary. That show and was who gnarly. got you? How'd you end up going there? Like, who brought you there? Got you into it? Um, I don't remember who even drove me to that show actually, but uh, it was like in in like probably seventy eight, seventy nine. My buddy went to American Martyrs, this this uh, Catholic school, and the the kids from the last went there. Danny Nolte, I know the last, yeah. well, the Nolte brothers, and and so they had a Sex Pistols tape, and it was a cassette tape. And we listened to that, and it was really bad recording. So the production was really blurred, and or it just didn't sound good. Kind of getting into it, but like wasn't a hundred percent sold on it, just because yeah. it didn't sound great. And um, started listening then, and then that we had this record store called Platypus Records down in Manhattan, and um, I think I picked up like I want to say Holiday in Cambodia single, sick, right around then. And I mean, I'd, I'd been listening to Rodney on the Rock a little bit, and. You know, so the the Holiday in Cambodia single never came off the turntable, and then it was into like everything else from there. Yeah. You know, uh, but like I remember Rodney playing "Pay to Come" demo, "Bad wow. Brains." Yeah, dude, it was. I mean, that I had like a physical reaction. We used to listen like Sunday nights, like under our pillows with little transistor radios, because our parents, you know, we they weren't cool. Yeah. With punk rock at all, like Dead Kennedys. Well, who the fuck is this? That goes in the trash can and fireplace immediately (laughs) yeah they were not like all you know circle jerks what the fuck you know so (laughs) it's like all the titles for angry Angry samoans what's what's an angry samoan it's like i don't know fuck you know just (laughs) so my dad was just smashing smashing yeah yeah, fuck the lyrics dude like smashing (laughs) smashing uh records left and right you know was your brother into punk too yeah we both got into it like the same time so he's way younger but like he wasn't able to go to shows and shit for a while but he eventually did so uh yeah it was it was pretty, you know, it was pretty crazy. Just and then, just started playing music too. Right then, like saw the for the saw that first show, and uh, I was like, God, I want to do that. My buddy said, You can play guitar, you can play bass easily, and sure enough, like jumped on a guitar and bass with my my buddy up the street and started this band called Con Eight Hundred with Dougie Carry on yeah, singing. Yeah. yeah, there was a couple. Shout I, know, I heard Doug. you had Doug in here. Yeah, I yeah. heard that. Yeah, it was kind of like the we had this place called the Lot done in um manhattan boarding hermosa and uh it was kind of it was it's where i went to like elementary school and shit yeah. but big parking lot well not that big but my best friends and drummer's house was right there on the lot so we'd all congregate there and it'd be like 10 15 20 30 people every night smoking weed dust <laughs> dropping yeah. quaaludes drinking people were living in the parking lot i lived in there for a while so that was kind of like the where you went to to get your night started or you just go there to party and then we practiced in the back room so the band had some like lineup changes it changed names and stuff but then got pretty solid b dougie and uh and hank hanky jack and this guy john alts and we played you know some parties and shit and that was in high school yeah like for uh sophomore year by the time we were rolling that i think recorded got some pretty cool recordings back in the day from that did those uh, ever come out no they, Somebody has them though. They're they're floating around. They <laughs> might sick. they might be a little politically incorrect, you know, uh, like like okay. most of the shit was back in those days. Yeah. But uh, it's not yeah, a safe no. time to come out with those. No, no, I don't think they can come out. I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just yeah. you know, the usual it's worse shit. than they saved Hitler's cock. 
Uh, no, no, no. It's not worse than that. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, we we had some legendary parties, like full destruction parties, where houses got, I mean, completely destroyed, like oil through the front window from the garage, like ran through walls, like Picasso yeah. prints kicked, like just insanity. And oh. it was pretty cool, like. That if we, I think if we would ever got a record deal or got some real shows, we would have done pretty good because people listen to it now. Like we just played, I know, a couple, like three or a month ago or something, July third, and um, it was epic. Like the like you play, go wow, these songs are pretty good. People get pretty stoked on it, so we yeah. just do it. I think we played three times in thirty nine years or something like that. Oh shit! So yeah, it's it's fun though. <laughs> Doug's like what four foot eleven, and He's I'm amazing like, man. I made him play. Uh, we did some minor threat covers. I'm like, small man, big man. I go, oh, fuck, Fletcher, you really going to make me play that? I'm like, goddamn right I am. You think I'm going to miss an opportunity for some short jokes? He's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> and then uh, I was like, well, we changed the title to Tall Man Big Mouth because it's more fitting, right? So <laughs> so that's how we do it now. So you so you get into that music. You're playing guitar. You don't give a fuck about school. You're partying. So what, what do you want to do at that point, like when you graduate? Do you think about anything, anything of the future at all? graduate oh not grad when you, when you that went, wasn't on the table well, whatever. At all. You, we think about your yeah. future at all no no i mean like i played sports like i played football oh, soccer ba- uh, basketball obviously i was tall so i i got on the basketball team when i was a freshman and i was like i just was so into like surfing and skating at that point and then getting into punk rock i'm like i'm not fucking going to basketball practice i like basketball yeah. but like way more fun skating in a backyard pool and surfing and playing music right mm-hmm. so i just got Purposely kicked off the team. My, I didn't tell my dad. Like, uh, you know, he, he just I got cut, and he was all devastated. Apparently, the coach said I was varsity material, whatever that means. Wow. And uh, and I was like, yeah. And so it was. It, it's horrible. Like you're you're like 15 years old, playing in a punk band, doing drugs, going to shows, sneaking out your window to go to shows, and just surfing and skating. Like, it doesn't look like a good career choice in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Looks really bad. Your parents are freaking out. You got a fucking crop cut or mohawk or die you know like it's all bad the you're, mu- you're listening to i want to fuck the dead by tsol like it's yeah. not nothing good happening right so my dad was just pissed and i but i started working for him doing construction so i was just like i wasn't really on a path the only thing i cared about was like playing music and then yeah. surfing and skating but i always just wanted to be in a band kind of like that was that was where I, my real love was just playing guitar and playing live yeah and so I never really figured I'd make a living out of it, but I don't know, thirty years later, we go we go down the path, and you know, so I'm going to every show. Like I've seen, you know, every Minor Threat show in L.A., like Dead Kennedys, you know, Damn. Screams first show at at HJ's Bar and Grill, uh, Angry Samoans, TSOL, blah, blah, like every Everything. every. I think the only band I didn't see was the Germs. Wow, because I couldn't make the ride that night, and then Darby passed away. Right? Yeah, I was literally supposed to like. I got to the. Like, I'd get picked up by the older dudes at, like, a bus stop. I'd stash my clothes in the bushes, climb out the window. Parents go to bed, climb out the window. Hopefully my dad's back from the bar or, you know, not going to come in my room later and find me absent. But you do the full, like, fake body into the shit, like in the movies, like, for real. And uh, me and my brother shared a room, so I'd put my clothes up the street, fucking jump out, go change in the bushes, and then run to the spot. You know, you'd have to bribe the older dudes, like, I'll buy you a case of beer or get you some mom's Valiums or something. And uh, Valiums is so 80s, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, Fuck, dude, 64 Valiant, handful of Valiums, couple of beers. My buddy, the bass player, his dad had a 64 Valiant. My mom had a script for Vs. We would get loaded on Vs, get a couple tall boys, and drive around 
like wow. 15 years old in a, his parents, we'd steal the car. We'd, wow. we'd roll him out of the garage in the middle of the night and get high on pills and, and booze and drive around in a 64 Valiant <laughs> singing <laughs> circle jerks, dude. <laughs> like living the dream, dude. That's amazing, man. Yeah, so I miss the germs, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was like, so we're going to all those shows and stuff, and then everything kind of started fading around. Like 84, punk rock was kind of taboo. No clubs wanted to have it. A lot of bands were breaking up. A lot of, a lot of violence here, right? A lot of violence. Well, yeah, the cops and the riots and all that stuff. I, yeah. was in, so I was in the like exploited riot at Mendiola's Ballroom. I got my arm broken by a pig on that one. Wow. Uh, that was the first time they played in, in, in uh, uh, United States, their first show, I believe. It was, oh, at, was that, like Bards Apollo riots. Cuckoo's uh, Nest shit, you were there too? Oh, yeah. Cuckoo's Nest, saw Black Flags, Henry's first show. At that, that, and then it was either I can't I, I can't remember Henry will probably tell me or somebody. It was either the Cuckoo's Nest or the night before there was a party in Carson with uh, with uh, Canadian subhumans, Descendants, and and Flag with Henry, wow. and they all played full sets in a kitchen, dude, like this size. Holy there was probably a hundred people. It was insane. So one of those two nights was the first time he played with Flag. It might have been Cuckoo's Nest or that one, but yeah. um, Earl Liberty jumped over the back wall, broke both his legs when the cops came in at the party. I remember that. Damn. That was sketchy um, from Sacrament Trust. Uh, That's crazy. But uh, yeah, so it, it like those days were just gnarly, and, and then it the band started fading away and breaking up in the clubs. So I was bored, and I was like, and I'd been playing music the whole time, like different variations of Con 800 and other people jamming with, but nothing serious. And then uh, uh, I was like, I need to start something. And I had moved into Redondo, and I carpeted the garage, single-car garage, and I carpeted and uh, called Jason, who I knew from this band called Juvenile Delinquents. He used to play when he was like 12. Okay. Um, punk rock. Yeah. And then he was in this band called PMA. Really? Yeah, they'd play they'd oh, play shit. parties and, and do covers of like Clash and blah, blah, blah. And it was really cool. And he always was a cool dude, but I never really knew him that well. So I was like, hey, you want to be in a band? He's like, yep. I'm like, all right, come over. Got a case of Keystone or 12-er. I think it was like $1.99 back then. <laughs> yeah. Keystone Light. <laughs> we drank that shit. I showed him the garage. We sat there, talked about like what our, how the dream band should be. Like everything split equally. Um, no egos, everybody contributes what they contribute and never like, never does it falter from that. You know, like yeah. everybody has an input on the songs. Um, just take away like, you know, just like kind of like a brotherhood thing. Like nobody's yeah. better than anybody else. Democracy. Yeah. And so we, uh, we started rolling and we, and I was using my old drummer Hanky from the Con 800 days. Yeah. And then we had a little falling out and then someone threw Byron our way. He was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And I'm like, Jason, uh, let me talk to you outside. I'm like, get, get him off the property. So, dude, we have a talent show coming up in like a week. <laughs> like at Maricosta, we got, can we just play, teach him three slow songs? I was like, all right, fuck it. So we taught him like three slow songs, Damn. played the talent show, lost like horribly. I had a warrant for my arrest and I was super scared. Like the holy then? Uh, probably like. 20 or so okay. no maybe like 23 or something. a warrant okay. yeah, yeah i always had a warrant always well not usually one like usually like six Jesus. i just never went to court so we 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 did that and then we got the singer keith brown we were we were called pennywise at the time okay. like this guy keith brown and then that was going okay played some parties got a little following going then he wanted to start writing like love songs and shit he was like 
in a in some heavy chick relationship or like dude this isn't cutting it you got to go got rid of him and then it was just me jason and byron and jason was singing and playing bass and we played a bunch of parties and played pennywise songs the the pennywise songs we had back then and covers and shit and then and then jim came along and saw him play and we all knew jim jason and jim were friends i knew jim from school and parties and shit and i'd seen him play and i was just at one of his gigs and i was like fuck sounded good man i mean his voice is insane yeah He's like, fuck, I want to try out for Pennywise. And I was like, fuck, bring it. Give me your number. <laughs> you know? And he did, and here we are. You know? And his and he he was in another band, like a punk band or something? He was in a, he was doing covers with okay. some I think they were called like Dr. Bombay. He'd been in uh, a bunch of like probably three or four bands, if I remember, over yeah. the years. And uh they were just doing like random bar covers, probably A C D C and the cult and fucking the yeah. doors and shit. And we'd all go to these local bars and get fucking hammered and they were just kind of like the the local party band yeah and uh came over gave him some lyrics to one of the songs i probably played him a cassette and just go here's how it goes he sang it me and jason just looked the other just fucking ear to ear smiles like whole like when you have a good when a good singer comes along when you've been working with like i mean dougie was a good singer but he was a punk rock singer like jim's voice was so good and you didn't need to tell him like the melody jason had a lot of melody but like he, Jim had his own style and immediately yeah. you're like whoa what just happened there so it was like instant like fuck yeah this is sick and then yeah. it just you know went from there till now and who, who named the band this guy Steve Martin um, one of our friends um, you know a couple years probably before Jim came in the picture I'm not sure what year we actually started but yeah. I, I knew it was probably like a couple years or something and uh, he just kept saying you need to call your band Pennywise Pennywise and come to our practices and it's some book about these kids that like overcome this evil and they band together and like oh, they're being tortured and the strength in numbers and positive mental attitude. And we're like, sounds good. I read the cli- I read the cliff notes eventually because like that book's <laughs> fucking thick. I'll wait for the movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So it was, and it's kind of like Pennywise isn't a good name. It's a shitty name. Like Limp Bizkit's a bad name. Foo Fight. Like there's so many bad band Pearl Jam. It's fucking horrible, but works, like though. eventually it becomes a good name if the band becomes good. So yeah. I just think of like Pennywise, it's not like you know something cool like Scream or Minor Threat or even H Two O is a great name. Like Thanks. there's a lot of shitty band names out there. I mean, like <laughs> ours isn't the worst, but it's not the best. But we've we've made it acceptable. Yeah, right. It's perfect. Yeah, and it it's is. cool with the the theory of like, hey, we band together and we conquer evil and we fight. You know, and I even and know that's that too. What, later on in life, just that movie and all that shows. Like, oh, yeah. Fuck. That's kind of what our whole lyrical content's about. Like, you know, overcoming hardships and and being united. So yeah. it was it was a perfect fit. We're just like, oh, you shut up, stop fucking coming to every practice screaming about Pennywise. We'll just name the band that. Stop. He just bugged <laughs> us enough. So Steve Martin, yep, he gets props for that. Um, and not the Steve Martin, the actor, or Steve Martin from Agnostic Front, a different Steve Martin. Yes, yes. Um, so what do you think? I mean, I, re- I obviously, you guys never signed to a major. You've been together 30 years. For you, it's about lyric and the message. You guys are always stuck by that, and that's probably why you have such longevity. Yeah, I think, you know, we've seen ba- I mean. Staying true to yourselves. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's kind of like, well, we you know, you went through those times when like going to a major was the devil's work, right? Yeah. And didn't you guys go to a major? We for did. A we did for one out. Oh, yeah. you bad. We need to take you out and whip you <laughs> in the backyard after this. Even Bricker was I like, forgot. you can leave and come back. Like he was yeah. so cool about it. And He's like, you will leave and you will come yeah, back. Exactly. Um, but you guys yeah, never did that. We went to MySpace, which was oh, kind of a different right. deal. I mean, it wasn't a major. It wasn't. It was an indie. It was like. 
I remember like that's when uh, Epitaph and a lot of labels are doing those 360 deals where we'll give you your advance, but we're going to get your t-shirts and we're going to get some of your touring and we're going to, we're like, what? This is so crazy. And like Brett was coming at us with that. And I was like, well, Brett, MySpace is doing this, wants to do this thing. And he's like, oh, fucking MySpace, fuck that. And I go, check this out. And he looked at it and goes, holy shit. Okay, how can we help and be involved? And they actually co-released it with MySpace in Europe, in America. Okay. It wasn't a co-release, but the deal was it was a free album. We we got to give away our album for like two weeks, live, you know, streaming, or people download it. And we also got to get like, whatever, $10 million worth of MySpace advertising placement. Like if you're a Toyota and you got our ad campaign, it would cost you 10 million bucks. Wow. So it was like, oh, we get to reach a bunch of new people, give a record away free to all of our existing fans. And if they go under, we get our record back. So we got our record back now. Wow. We own it 100%. It's, oh, out, it's yeah. out on Epitaph. So I don't know. I wouldn't say that we used the system, but we kind of used the system a little bit. Yeah. And it wasn't like going to like Sony or something. It was, it was run by this guy, Jay Scavo, raddest dude ever. And it was completely... Our call, it wasn't like a major label where like, we don't hear the hit. It was like, fuck, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it was, so it was, it was an unorthodox, but it was definitely weird. We kind of like, we, we kind of Trojan horsed it, right? Like nobody we, else was doing that back no, then. Yeah, it was just, it, it was a one-time deal and, and uh, we were right back to Epitaph. And yeah. Brett was totally supportive. It was rad. And then you two did that and they forced it onto your phone. That was bad. I, dude, <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. That shit was on my phone for like three years or something. I could not get it off no matter what wow. I did. And I'd get in my car and it would just start playing. I'm like, fuck. I'd just like scream. That was crazy they did that shit. Dude, man. that was, they, that's, talk about backlash. That was crazy backlash. I think he got um, karma on that because he invested all his money in, what was it, Blackberry? Or no, the Palm Pilot. Oh, he did? Yeah, Bono. Bono? Yeah, Bono, yeah. Bono put in like $100 million in a Palm Pilot and just went whoop. Kind of like shit. Justin Bieber and Blackberry. Are you a YouTube fan or no? YouTube? Yeah, I watch yeah. YouTube. Yeah. You uh, said, no, you too, not YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, YouTube's awesome, bro. YouTube's uh, so good. We, did we change subject? Yeah, no, sorry. No, no, that's no. No, yeah, yeah, I like the old YouTube shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some good shit. I mean, yeah. they got, they're they're really talented band, for sure. The the old stuff is pretty rad. I mean, even even some of the newer stuff is cool. So yeah. I got nothing against them. Um, one thing I love about you guys, and, and we talked a little bit earlier, but like your connection to the East Coast, too, and like always looking out for all of us. Like a lot of West Coast bands, weren't really doing that, but you, Rancid, a bunch of bands started playing with like us, The Bouncing Souls, Murphy's Law, all that, that connection. Did you love East Coast hardcore growing yeah. up too? Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, like, I was all about Black Flag, Hermosa B. I mean, when you grow up, like, I was carrying the Descendants gear, you know, and Black Flag's gear into, into backyard parties, like, Damn. as a kid, you know? Yeah. Barbecue and chicken watching Black Flag play, like, so obviously, you know, Red Cross, Descendants, Circle Jerks, Germs, Black Flag... But my buddy Kevin Salk, who uh, you should have him on, he's a photographer. He's okay. got some pretty cool. He's got a book coming out and stuff. Um, he came back, and I think he brought the Minor Threat seven inch, and that was it. Like Damn. Uh, that, like blew blew my mind. I was okay. So I'm already like playing TSOL, Superficial Love, to my fingers bleed, Black <laughs> Flag, all that stuff. But the Minor Threat, like that, when I heard that, I was like, okay, this is how I want to play. This is the kind of music I want to do. Not that Pennywise is super minor thready, but like just that yeah. style and uh, all that stuff. I mean, we were always into the misfits and and then the hardcore stuff, you know, just anything back there. I love hardcore. I'm more, 
I'm more into hardcore than anyone in our band. Yeah, obviously, for sure. like I, if I bring shit in, sometimes Jim's like, "Dude, let's go start a hardcore band." Like that's way too hardcore for Pennywise. <laughs> and I'm like, "But we, I slip it you in." You can hear it though, so much. Yeah, I slip else. it in like on breakdowns and shit. But yeah. uh, you know, I just like sick of it all. And Murphy's yeah. Law, and fucking Agnostic Front, all, Mad all, Ball, yeah. Mad Balls. Like you know, they just insane. You know, just like I hear that shit, I'm just like, "Yep," like just wanna dance around but my knees hurt so <laughs> yeah all, all of Rhythm, it and, yeah. and it's funny because i i think we've told this story and you might have been on epitaph time but we had to play with it was the east coast versus west coast a show in italy alex i think was the promoter oh, right the long-haired alex yeah and uh, and we were like what the fuck is this like east coast versus west coast and we never met anybody we hadn't played with any of these bands it was early on damn and it was like pennywise lagrag and blah 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 you know all these epitaph bands and then it was like sick of it all and fucking mad ball and fucking af like all this shit and it was like it literally had two rows and it was like <laughs> east coast versus west coast so we're like okay we got to fight these guys like it was cuz that one <laughs> that's when the east coast rivalry thing was oh, going shit. on right Thinking like Tupac, yeah. yeah yeah so like but there was a little <laughs> of that punk rock rivalry going right yeah and we were like fuck this is and i remember everyone was scared cuz like east coast is going to be gnarlier you know just in general like the rep was worse i mean we had like a and lot you of probably violence one out of everybody who actually would have fought yeah, I mean, I was like, I was like, oh, here we go. I mean, I think I was the first one to walk into the dressing room. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And everyone's like, hey, what's up? I was like, nah, fuck, let's eat some pizza or whatever it was. Cool, like, yeah. Everyone was so cool. But there was a lot of tension going in there. Like, it's going to be a brawl. And like, you know, probably, you know, certain people were just like hiding in their bunks or some shit. We pulled yeah. up. But I was just like, fuck it. Let's get it done, you know. Take a beating. <laughs> and it seemed pretty far-fetched that we are going to have a fist fight over wow. And, but I think it was just like the, the typical. The promoter probably did that. Like, yeah. And it, I mean, by calling cute. it East Coast versus West Coast, and there was that already a little bit of East Coast, West Coast rivalry, it turned out to be the coolest fuckers on the planet. So yeah. it was just really cool. And I, I think uh, music's music, you know? Yeah. I mean, the rap, the rap shit, the hip hop violence, that's all perpetuated by people trying to make money and being gangsters and and using, you know, musicians as as pawns basically the way i saw it so i don't know that's that's infiltration at a lame level but i think just music in general when you know like going to europe back in the day we'd be playing with everyone from the fugs to like fucking prince or something yeah and, and, and raging the machine pennywise like suicidal and you you were like why isn't america like this like why are we so like have yeah. to be in the scene and i get the scenes i love scenes yeah, but I also love music, and I love being able to connect with other people and and not be judged on what I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. So Europe was just like fuck. Look at this festival where we pull up and be like, oh my god, who are we playing with? Like, oh, we get to go drink and then go watch Rage Against the Machine and then go over here and watch Motorhead and then we get to watch like Ice Wu Tang <laughs> or Ice Cube and then fucking Metallica. Sure. Oh yeah, okay, this is good. And now you see like these new Wimmer fests that are coming up, like Aftershock and Louder Than Life yeah. and all these. They're moving towards that platform, which mm. is so awesome because Finally. I think it brings people together. And they're, why does it have to be rivalries? Like, I mean, there's certain music I don't listen to or I don't love, but I don't hate people because they listen to it. Why bother? Like, everyone's entitled to their own yeah. freedom of choice. So I just l- like that about Europe. And, uh, you know, I Diversity. think. Yeah. And I think since then, you know, you've had basically uh, punk rocks just, you know, we embrace ska and we yeah. embrace fucking hardcore. We break fucking. Cali melodic core, whatever you call it, and you know everything. So, it's it's cool because we've found over the years we're just one big community 
of like-minded people that all 100%. pretty much get along yeah. you know, most of the time. That Summer Nationals thing was really wonderful. It was like us and you guys in New York with the Bouncing Souls. I forgot. Oh, uh, Bouncing Souls, yeah. That was a great, like coming yep. together both coasts. That yeah, that was Summer Nationals. really cool. Because it was a West Coast one too. I think. Yeah, yeah, yep. The original one was like Palladium. Yeah, I mean, I, a good story on that one, dude. Tell so me. <laughs> we're we're headlining one of those nights, right, at the Palladium, and um, we always practice in a garage, and we're cheap. Like we still pra- we still practice in a single car garage for the last twenty three years at, wow. at Jason's house. Wow. Our ex, our old bass player passed away. Still, yeah. we were talking about practicing yesterday, and Brian's like, I don't know about getting in the carpet cave, bro. Like we need something bigger. Carpet cave. I don't know if that's gonna work. <laughs> it's literally like twelve by eight feet. Wow, and that's where we wrote like all of our albums. How's the sound in there? Probably nice. Yeah, just carpet. Yeah, so it's it. just dead as hell. But um, so at one point, I got a storage container for like 125 bucks a month, and put some walls in it, carpeted it, and we'd practice in there. And I'd run a power cable over to Don Dawkins' studio where he had an outside light, and I got one of those little, um, whatever the thing you screw into the light bulb yeah. that turns it into a plug yeah, yeah. converter. And so we'd play in there. And uh, one day he comes over and we were packing up our gear and he's like, Dockin. So there's Dockin and then there's Great White. It's like the metal layer. Yeah, yeah. But our buddy Ken Seaton had a print shop there and he's like, oh, the container's for rent. And we're like, fuck yeah, we'll practice in there. So, And we didn't really talk to the Dockin or Great White. We'd see him occasionally. And he's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. so you guys got a show? And we're like, yep. And he's like, where are you playing? Like, Hollywood, where at? The Palladium. The, the Hollywood Palladium? Yeah. Uh, No, you're not playing the Palladium, dude. I'm like, yeah, we are. What do you mean? He's like, no, you're, you, someone told you wrong. You, do you have a manager or something you could call and or you know ask where you're supposed to go? Because if you're going to Palladium, you're going to the wrong place. And I was like, what are you talking about? We're, we're playing the Hollywood Palladium. He's like, look, he's all, the Hollywood Palladium's on Sunset Boulevard. It's a fucking 4,000-seat venue. You're not playing the Palladium. You need to call somebody. And I was like... Uh, yeah, we are. And he goes, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Who Who are you opening for? And I go, "We're We're not. We're We're headlining." He's all, "Okay." He's all, "You're fucking tripping, bro. Like you are not headlining the Hollywood Palladium." He just starts laughing out loud, and we're just lo- loading up our gear into like a pickup truck or something. <laughs> and I'm like, "No." And he's all, "You're fucking crazy." He's all, he's, it, to him, it was complete hysteria, right? Wow. And I go, well, "Hold on a second. And I think we had like a Bam magazine laying around. I'm like, "Yeah." I go. And it's just a full page ad of like Jim with the mic, like Pennywise. And he's all, what in the, f-? he's all, you fucking playing, headlining the Palladium? Like, yeah, he's all, you practice in a fucking storage container where you can't breathe, there's no AC and you take power from my light and you're headlining Palladium? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, we are. And he's like, this is fucking insane. He was totally mind boggled. He's all, I'm giving the keys to my studio. You fucking have access to it. You guys want to start practicing there, you can. Like this is it just blew his mind. So he literally let us start practicing his studio, like big wow. screen TVs, leather couches, AC, like twelve hundred foot room of jam. You know, we it was crazy. Holy we we wrote shit. like we wrote full circle in there. Wow, part of it, yeah. So we became friends with him. He had a recording studio, and then it was just like he was just classic, dude. And then wow. eventually bitter when you have heard of this band Nirvana? <laughs> yeah, he's all fuck those guys. They're fucking ruining my life. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? Grunge rock. I'm like, yeah, your day is over, bro. The wigs, <laughs> the wigs and wigs and makeup are out. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, shit, it, that's right. That was your life. Holy shit. Yeah, they got crushed by that. Literally, like, just turned out overnight. So it was wow. over. So he's all bitter, but he's still a classic dude. He's just like, he's pretty funny. Um, 
So when Pennywise records the first, well, you guys, 1988, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Dropped the first record? Uh, I don't I know. Yeah, I think it's 88. Uh, something According like that. According to my notes, 88, but was there a moment being a Pennywise, you're like, oh, shit, this is going to be a career? Did you ever think it was going to be a career pen at one moment or a certain record that was bigger or anything? Uh, probably Unknown Road. Okay. Like, we, we recorded on Theologian. We kind of invented that label in a way. Um, we recorded at Radio Tokyo because the Descendants had recorded there. Mm. And uh, put out that single. We made 500, uh, like literally the old story of like cut cut them, glued them with Elmer's glue, like our Damn. record sleeves, like in my living this room. Style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, rolled on that for a minute, just playing parties and a couple gigs here and there. And then- you play cake parties for cakes, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just, <laughs> I mean, for, yeah, well, we, I would buy the cakes. Okay. Like the 4th of July legends were like, I would roll around on my bike like a week before 4th of July in the Strand and find these houses. Dude's party. I'm like, what's up on the 4th? And they're like, nothing. I'm like, you want a band to play? They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'll buy a keg of beer. All I need is an outlet. You know, we'll come jam. Oh, what do you do? Just whatever. We'll jam whatever. They're like, fuck yeah. So like we'd show <laughs> up. And then after the Ironman, like the run a mile, paddle a mile, yeah, drink yeah. a six pack, everyone would show like 500 people. And these motherfuckers would be like, what the fuck? Like, boom, just the whole house. We'd play in the patio wow. on these walk streets and shit. And it would just go nuts. And they'd, they'd be pretty stoked most of the time. <laughs> uh, cops would come. So, yeah, we, we would literally buy beer in okay. order to have to lure people in and you let us play their backyards. And it worked pretty good. Like, I'll buy two kegs. Cost you like 100 bucks. And yeah. people come and terrorize. And that's kind of how we got our following. But So we eventually wow. got our single on KXLU. And this guy, Vernon Trujillo, was a DJ. We went on and did an interview. I remember I was like on the construction site building the Pollo Loco with my dad. And I'm like, hey, you hear that on the radio? That's me. And Holy he's like, shit. oh, you're on the radio. Cool. And I'm like, and he's like, get back to work, boy. <laughs> like, you know, There's no career music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it was like, yeah. So uh, we, <laughs> you know, rolled that. And then Vernon was like, what's your, what's your dream? And we're like, oh, we want to. And the Bad Religion had dropped Suffer. Great and the record. production on that record was like different. It was like... It was like one of the best sounding punk records I ever heard, and the songs were so good, and we were just so into Suffer. And our music was kind of like along those lines already. Totally. We had a bunch of songs. Our single, we tried to put like kind of a funk song, like a hardcore fast song, a mid-tempo. We tried to, we're like, well, we're going to put five songs. We made it play at 33 so <laughs> yeah. we could fit more songs on it, right? Yeah. And we're like, we need to have... We're only get one shot, so we should probably put a little diversity on here instead of like. But we had a bunch of songs that were kind of like BR-ish already. So he got us a meeting with Brett, and Brett listened to the record, and he's like, "Okay, this is cool," and he liked it. And he's like, "I'm gonna call you. I'll call you next week." And got the phone call. He's like, "Hey, dude, just want to let you know the record's great and shit, but I'm gonna pass." I'm like, wow. really? He's like, "Yeah, it's just not what we're looking for." I think it was the funk song. Baby, <laughs> it, it was. I mean, it wasn't. It was like I loved it. Was like do, it was like doggy rock funk. Okay, like it cool. wasn't. It was punk punk funky. Is that doggy style? Jason, no, okay. J- I think Jim was playing bass and Jason was singing on it. So he passed. It's actually good. No, it okay. w- yeah, it's so he passed. And you know me, like my slogan that I made up is wherever there's a no, there's a yes waiting around the corner, right? I love so, that. <laughs> so I I gave it about a week and I was like, no, nah, that's not gonna stand. No fucking way. I called Brett back. I'm like, hey, dude. uh I think you should reconsider. He goes, no, nah, I pretty much made up my mind. I go, no, nah, we got some, we got some more songs, and you know yeah. that you should hear. Like I go, we have like about fifteen songs on a demo that 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 record's like two years old. You're listening to, like, you want to hear some cassette recordings of shit, and 
He's all, uh, you know, I'm pretty busy. I'm like, well, dude, I'll, t- I'll come up there. I'll play you a couple songs. It'll take like 10 minutes. He's like, all right, fuck, come on up. Came up with like get- our literally this little ghetto blaster. We used to, um, is that PC to say ghetto blaster? Say, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Chappelle, Chappelle, just a little Chappelle head. joke. <laughs> I, I'm not letting Ghetto Blaster go. No, man. Mm. So, um, we fucking had this little pink radio that we used to record with, and uh, li- literally, like, it was my chicks. And I took that up to Brett with a cassette in it of, of demos, like, and I'm talking demos made on that cassette player. Damn, like, you know, just like. You find the best place for it in the carpet cave, right? Like, okay, you can hear the vocal, or yeah. you make your own mix just by moving a little piece of shit radio around. Yeah, and uh, came up there and played it. It was like I think I just I went. I think one of my buddies gave me a ride, and and I just went up there. Uh, There's a raging party in Hermosa. Yeah, I'm going to see Brett. Went up there. He listened to like three songs. He's just like, "Are the rest of them like this?" I'm like, "Yep." And he's like, "You're signed." Wow! Boom! Right on the Persistence, spot. I love that. Yeah. So I was like, that was that was obviously a life changing moment. Holy remember, shit. I came back and told like Jason and Jim. Unless Jason might have been with me, I can't remember. I don't think he was, but like, yeah, he might have been with me. That's and, incredible, uh, man. Like, Dude, we're getting signed. Oh fuck yeah! And like, okay, cool. We get a record deal on Epitaph. So then it was like, how many records will we sell, Brett? And he was like, maybe two or three thousand. We're like, fuck. And that's right when CDs were coming out. Yeah. Right. So we. Record that first album, and we're thinking we're going to sell, you know, three, four thousand records, yeah. maybe. And within that time period, it started picking up. Lots of bands started surfacing around then. Yeah, well, no effects. Yeah, ninety three ish. Yeah, yeah, no effects was already rolling before that. They yeah, were, they were running KOCU. I remember thinking, oh, we got competition. No effects, and uh, that was right before the year broke with punk and all that shit. Yeah. Okay. So, fast forward a little bit. We we weren't making a living off of punk rock, but you know we were cruising. Yeah, and then we go and record Unknown Road. Yeah, and we drop that, and immediately, I mean, the record is one, it's one of my favorite records, but it, at the, it's a little bit different. But it wouldn't really matter if it sounded like the first record, or it, it's like it wasn't different enough to like be like, oh, look at this really cool band in this genre. It was like still yeah. a punk rock record. And it, it wound up selling a hundred thousand copies pretty quick. Wow! And that was like a life changer because you back know. Then. Like all of a sudden we started getting checks for like twelve hundred bucks or something. I'm like, well, I don't have to go to work for like two weeks, you know. And it, it, it allowed us to start focusing solely on the music, yeah, and not going to do our day jobs. Yeah, were you working with your dad in between tours and stuff? Yep, I was. I built like we built all the Pollo Locos around here, like the first wow. one in L.A. And then he was like the we were electricians and then superintendent. So I did everything. I did like framing and electrical and. Everything except plumbing. Yeah, yeah. No, unfortunately, I st- everything in my house is broken because I'm not going to pay somebody a hundred bucks an hour to put a light in or a plug in. You know, yeah. a fucking plug hanging out on my front porch for six years, dude. Hot, hot wires. Oh wow! I just look at it every day and go, it's just. I just you put two screws in. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't going down there and fucking with that. Like, oh. It's just so my house is destroyed because I can't pay anyone to do anything because oh I know how to do it, but I just don't. So yeah. Um, so, so that 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 kind of changed your life, sort of hundred thousand. Like, holy shit, this is like real. Yeah, we had a party. Um, I could got arrested. You did? Par- yeah. Mm-hmm. How many times have you been arrested? Oh, a lot. Over fifteen? No, like, well, I, I thought you said over fifty. I was like, I think it's like probably like forty-two or something like that now. Wow. Yeah. And what's the longest jail time you've done? 
I think the longest sentence I ever got was like 45 days in county, but I only think I did like 21. That's no joke in county, too, is what county, I County, that's no joke. I mean, I, I haven't been to county since the, since the riots, so it was, it's worse. It was worse after the riots, obviously, but, um, yeah, it was it, it was definitely a learning experience, no doubt. <laughs> definitely saw some crazy shit in there. I mean, the scariest people, well, at the beginning, when you're getting processed in, is the sheriffs, you know, because they all they all they all had to do like a year before they went out in the field, and their whole thing was just like come in here and just bust heads, and Damn. it was scary. It was pretty gnarly in there. Uh, and then you know you get to like 9500, and then it's no joke. The shit you see in like colors and shit, like oh shit, just bunk beds just pushed together, climb climbing through the front. You know, just it, it. There was some crazy shit going on in there. I never had really any major problems, so I just cruised. Yeah, when you, when you started taking like your career seriously, we get in less trouble. You're still kind of wilding out even more. I think you know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the no. warp tour days, man. Holy uh, shit, man! All no. that. There's no slowing it, down. You never slow down, though, right? There's nothing. I'm a little down. slower now because, like, it, it it's cost me so much money. I have like, mm. I have a lot of felonies, but I have no felony convictions. You know, so that's lawyers and money and time, and uh, it just, it just be. I mean, it's still. I still like to have fun, but like, fighting's out now. Can't fight anymore. That's yeah. dangerous. That's big money lost. Like civil suits and shit like that. I've had to pay some people off, so it's. You know. And what do you think? It, what do you think it was that you you became that kind of wild kid? Because it seems like your dad was focused with the job. Your mom was chill. Was your brother chill? Dad was focused at the bar, coming home, going crazy, yeah, pulling, pulling out the guns and shit. Yeah, yeah that's true. You saw. Yeah, you saw so it. it was in your home. Right. It was. It was. I. I just think back to like, okay, my training ground was like crazy parental brawls, like violence and and uh, destruction, like bre- breaking a lot of shit. I'm like, well, why do you think I? I'm so good at getting drunk and breaking shit. Like I spent my, I mean, that's, I'm talking from like six years old on till like I left the house at like 16. Was your brother in the streets too with you kind of wiling out? No, well he got, he got popped when he, I think he was about 14 or 15 for arson and he got a couple of years in the, in the CYA wow. and that was it, man. He was done. He's institutionalized. I mean, he, there was some good years when he got out. Um, I think he did like two years and he got out and then. We, you know, we're just running amok. Like me and him going to like TSOL shows, just a nightmare. Like me and him drunk in the streets of LA was just get you the like fu- get the fuck out of the way. Like just yeah, crap. people knew it. The Draggy Brothers, dude. He wrote that on the back of oh, uh, a picture shit. of him, and my mom. Like that's a prison picture. Wow. I found it when he passed away. Um, but oh, he uh, passed away. How old was he? he passed away. Uh, Thirty nine, like twelve years ago. Pretty crazy. So, I mean, he, he ran hard. So we did that, you know, we ran amok and then he got into dope, started shooting dope and that was it. So he did about, I think he probably did about 12 years. You know, like usually did like a, a year to three year stints on, got, get, went to prison twice under my name. Under um, your name. Having to come visit you. I don't think that's going to work, bro. Cause we would always use our, we'd always <laughs> use each other's <laughs> names. So like when he wasn't in trouble and I knew I had warrants, I'd get pulled over, I'd use his name and then he'd use my name. And then, so la- later when I and that sh- was cool. That was cool with you guys to do that. You knew what you, you, <laughs> I, yeah, you, I knew you were doing. I wasn't it. asking for permission, but like he was, I, yeah, fuck yeah. It, yeah. So then, then he turned the fucking tables on me, and he started using my name when I got straight, and I'm like trying to go to Canada and shit with Pennywise. Mm. So he like during the last, I mean, so picture within the last like 15, 17 years, he got two, three year stints, like one for grand theft auto, possession of a firearm, and all that shit. He got three years under my name, and then he got another one 
uh, for Grand Theft Auto as well and some other shit. And I like went to the, I got him out of jail and I went to the parole office. I'm like, hey, so here's my brother. Here's his booking paper, or his prison paperwork. Here's me. We don't care. Go see the judge. If he, if he doesn't show up for parole, uh, parole, if he absconds, like we're coming to your house looking for you. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Like, yep, that's just how it goes. Holy so that, like, shit. yeah, I went to see the judge. Judge like, no, nah, I'm not overturning. Go get a lawyer. It's just crazy shit. It wasn't like, even you. I'm me and my brother standing in the courtroom. The judge's all, nope, won't over. Go get a lawyer. File a motion to vacate. I'm like, but you fucking convicted him. I got a police report right here. My fingerprints are not the ones that were Holy taken shit. in Long Beach. It was crazy. So he did me pretty dirty. Uh, more than multiple times, and but I did him dirty on the early years, so his payback was a bitch. But you, but, but you were super tight, and yeah. But the the heroin years were pretty bad, you know. He we had a, lo- a big like I put him in rehab a bunch, and and you know he he had people looking to kill him. He he was gangster. He'd rob drug dealers, just walk in unarmed and go give me all the money, all the dope, and he was so scary that they would just do it unarmed, you know? unarmed. Yeah, he was he was gnarly, and so he was kind of like a shot caller, like I think you know level two, maybe he hit a level three yard. He's he was pretty wow, gnarly. Man. He was part of that that whole deal. So, I I recently tried to like go get a shotgun, and um, <laughs> was that okay to get guns? Yeah, it's, okay. yeah. All right, so yeah, I, I went to I went to like apply for one. Legally. I don't think you need a gun personally, but mm. you never know. Yeah, that's true. But uh, sometimes other people have guns. <laughs> true. Um, but I went to get it, and I got denied by the Department of Justice. Oh, and I was like, shit. fucking brother got me on this one, too. So I got to go. It's like, like a movie and shit. The, like your, the brother's like, oh, I don't there's, know. There's a movie for sure. But yeah, he was, <laughs> fuck, he was gnarly. We had a couple gnarly fist fights, and he, it, it just, the, the heroin thing can go south pretty hard on yeah. the whole family, and he was he was thieving and, and just fucking everything that he could do to... He was fucking hilarious, though. He was funny as fuck. Everyone that knows him knows he, he was. Since you was your little brother and you brought him around to shows and stuff like together, did you see the transition of becoming more like crazy? Or did you see Yeah, it? well, no. It was, well, he when he got out of C, CYA, yeah. he was in, already kind of probably saw some gnarly shit in there. Was he and big him, as you? No, he he was kind of a chubbier kid. And then he um, cowed out and he was looking pretty good yeah. out of CYA. And then every time he went to prison, he'd get fucking swole, like just huge. And then he'd come out and just start partying again. But he Damn. just, uh, yeah, he was gnarly. And, and so coming up through the ranks, he, you go to prison, dude, it changes you. That's it, period. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, he was institutionalized. He didn't give a fuck. I mean, he would do the most scandalous, gnarly shit you could fucking imagine. He did not give a fuck and rolled it like hard. Like, I mean, he got stat Like, a couple of dudes were after me, ripped off some guy's moms for, like, 40 bucks worth of dope, and they got out of prison, and they went after him, two dudes over in Wilmington, and they stabbed him, like, seven times. Holy Sucker shit. Sucker was downstairs at Harbor General smoking a cigarette with a punctured lung when I got there. Wow. Like, just fucking maniac shit, dude. Holy just, shit. I got it this one time. I bought him a van because like were, these dudes were looking to kill him, and they're like legit gang members. I'm like, you got to get him off the streets because he didn't. He would live wherever. He just roll. I'm like, you got to be mobile. And my van's broken. So get over to the spot where it's broken, and he's got a fucking big ass abscess as usual on his arm. I'm like, dude, you got to fucking go to the doctor right now. You're gonna fucking die. He's like, yeah, it's fine. It's just fine. It was always fine. You know, it's like you got a big ass boil full of pus, and it's it'll kill you. You know? Yeah. No, fuck it. I'll do it later. I'm like. All right, your van's fucked up. We're at a, we're at a mechanic shop. I'm going to have fix your van right now, but while they're fixing it, you're going to go to the urgent care. Okay. 
So that was like bribery, right? So we get there, and the chick's like, oh, my God, like, I gotta, we got to open that up. We got to lance that wound. So she starts digging around in there. It's like the size of a golf ball, Damn. maybe bigger, like half a tennis ball almost. And, and, she, and she just pulls out this chunk of fucking black tar. And she goes, oh, my God, what, what is this? I, like a hard piece of tar. And, and she goes, what is this? I, I've never seen anything like this. She goes, uh, I think it's telephone pole tar. And she's like, what? Yeah, I think someone sold me some fucking telephone pole tar as dope. Oh. And, like, I melted it down and I shot it up. And then it got, like, hard, hard in my arm in the vein. Oh, and she's like, how would you know that? And he goes, well... I shot some up on my hip too. I dug that one out with a knife and I looked at it and it seems like telephone part part of me. Like that's the kind of shit this maniac was doing. That's dude. Gnarly, like and he's dude. just he's already dug one out of his hip knowing <laughs> that it's telephone pole tar. He's like matched it up. Yep, that's what this guy sold me. And he's got one in his arm just rolling around, still doing dope fucking gang, fuck. gang gangster shit. He, did, did, it's crazy. Did, did his actions ever want to make you get sober or chill out? Because you saw the road he was taking? You, no. You didn't see it? No, I saw it, but I'm... Like, I know. I mean, I wasn't, like, I wasn't doing dope, but I mean, the shit I was doing drunk was just as dangerous in different ways, right? Like, physically yeah. dangerous, mental, like, you know, police shit. It, it was... I mean, I got away with way too much, so, like, I've definitely toned it back. Yeah. Now, I try not to get that drunk, like, you've probably seen me many times, where it's just, so like... So many times. Nobody, whatever you say, it's just, like, get out of my way. Like, why are you even talking to me? But like, at the same time, I feel like I've seen you seen and heard you do crazy drunk things but then you're also like after it happens you feel bad and you apologize to the people so <laughs> apologize yeah, yeah so it's that'll not, fix everything and I'm, I'm, but i'm just saying like yeah, the yeah. next day you're like yeah there's been i have like a list of like crazy shit that you probably talked about i'm just saying like just the most famous things that you've been involved in um legendary like urban legends of like obviously the bb guns in the warp tour shooting fat mike on stage on stage you'd have a vase or vase full of fucking vodka every night the k-rock hostage situation love line the kid rock shit alien ant farm shit the rage against the machine dressing room taser oh. arrested mark hopperson tom delong kidnapping all that oh shit. Yeah, yeah so there's truth Damn. to all those yeah those are they're all, not urban myths those right? all happen yeah <laughs> they're probably they're probably worse than most people heard you know do you have any regrets for any of that stuff Looking back I mean, on only, only people that, you know, that that got really fucked up. I mean, like, it's usually in good humor, practical joking, but sometimes I take it too far. I mean, like... The BB guns was gnarly on the Warped Tour. Ah, that's child's play. I still okay. got them. Still shoot my neighbor. Shooting fat Mike in his ass on stage. Oh, dude. So good. Because, like, you're shooting somebody on stage, and nobody knows they're getting shot, so he's just like, oh, and it hurts, you know? And he's just moving. Just get, It's a fully automatic BB gun, like yeah. a machine gun, right? And then he just stopped the song. Go, God damn it, fucking Fletcher's somewhere up here, fucking shooting me. Somebody needs to find that motherfucker. And then he'd start the song and be, burp, burp, and just like you know, I had this killer perch because the stage had all those like uh, <laughs> you know little nooks and crannies. Yeah. And I carried the gun around in a bag, like a, a, a plastic bag, so you couldn't see the gun. Okay. I just poked the barrel out and just like, but you know, and you don't even need to aim that thing because it just comes out like fifty BBs at a time. I think all the new young fresh bands in the Warped Tour feared if Pennywise is going to be on the same tourism every summer because then also it was the night barbecues and you all, you walked around and you kind of like you kind of ran the whole campgrounds you like yeah. the manager of the barbecues and shit <laughs> kind of yeah like kids had to pay dues almost even fucking I don't know yeah was, people got beat up with meat 
more than once, you know. Slapped Golf around. carts were stolen and flipped over. And oh, uh, yeah. Like, dude, fireworks. Yeah, was dude, Ke- Kevin Lyman, shout him out. He's got a big love and heart for you for sure. I love Kevin. He's put up so much of my shit. It's <laughs> insane. I threw, Kevin was doing an interview in Montreal on the Warp Tour on this, like, bridge over this swamp. You Like, backstage catering. You remember it. Yeah. The something park in Montreal. And then you go down this bridge and you go to the stages. And, like, he's just in the middle of, like, much music. It's like MTV. Huge shit back there. I just there. snatched him up and just fucking threw him into the, into the swamp. And then I dove in on top of him. Because I wasn't just going to throw him in by himself, right? Yeah. On camera. And uh, he still claims he has, like, a disease from that swamp, like a parasite. Holy shit. And then I broke his knee at, like, that that show, that Nokia 20-year anniversary. Broke his knee? Well, like, yeah, we felt, I had, we were just kind of hugging and dancing, singing Broham, and I, I slipped, and then I just took him down with me and, like, landed on him, like, 300 pounds, just crusher. So I've, like, I've got that, I've, like, phys- I saw I did Jack Grisham, too, on oh, stage, God, tackled yeah, was- him into the barricade. At the you know why that is with Jack? So me and my brother went to TSOL at Raji's live recording. I don't know, I used to look up what year it was, right? Back in the day, yeah. And... My brother knew Jack well. Like my brother was just a maniac, and he would go torture Jack and go to TSOL shows even without me. Like they were buddies with before. Yeah. Like it wasn't me and my brother together, and uh, we were on the stage or right by the front. We're just going crazy. TSOL, like one of my favorite bands, and um, you know, America, land of the free, free to the power. We we attacked him. We double teamed him. Got the mic from him and just like threw him down on the stage and and we sang that part on the live album. So we're like, fuck yeah, like, you know, eight months later, a year later, like, the live album's out. We're like, yeah, it's gonna be so rad. Like, me and you, me and my brother are on this fucking record. Put it on, check it out, and it's just, it's Jack singing. I'm a motherfucker. You re-recorded the fucking vocals on the song. Like, and I won't go into detail about how much he re-recorded of that record, but let's just say we weren't on the record and we sang it that night live and I was fucking pissed. So next live record at the observatory, I'm like, Jack's going in the crowd. Like, he can't re-sing this because everyone's going to know that he got fucking tossed. And my idea was to, like, throw him into the pit, like, kind of pick him up and just toss yeah. him. But it went south, and we just wound up headfirst into the barricade. So He's a big dude, too. He is. He, I mean, we were, like, upside down, like, on the floor. And he just looked at me and goes, you f- motherfucker. You fucking asshole. I'm a get up boy. And he just jumped up and finished the song. So that point that on Dance With Me, it's just blank right there. Because he can't can't re-sing it because everyone's like, wait, you were in the, it's on video. So I got on the record technically, even though I'm not singing on it. Holy shit. Do Do you consider some of the stuff you're doing, not bullying, but kind of tough love to the young bands? Like you're coming on a tour, I'm going to fucking. Nah, I never think. I mean, but that's how. I feel like some of his tough love with you. Uh, I don't ninety eight media boys. And you fucked with them. Yeah, but I just fuck with everybody. That's, I know. I remember equally. like when I was in first grade. Remember, I anta- yeah. I was antagonizing the kids. That never stopped. I mean, I love pissing people off, and in a funny way. But some that's when I like you go back to it. Like that's when I regret when somebody like I blasted a fire extinguisher down at the Offspring show, and um and there was like a kids room next door, and oh. the white powder when it was like the toddlers room. Oh shit! And it fucked that. I got in big trouble with like all the wives and shit. And like Noodle's kid was in there, and he was real young, and it fucked him up. And oh, he had like shit. nightmares and shit. And this is horrible, nightmares, and Damn. had to go to therapy and shit. It's all it's all good now, but I fuck felt horrible. Like that wasn't my intention. I, how do you even say sorry for that? Like I'm yeah. like, dude. So me and his kid are 
where it's all good now and like we're buddies and shit and he's not scared of me anymore like we made friends and stuff but that kind of shit fuck do you i still regret that to this day you know there's certain things that i've done that are definitely crossed the line that become unfunny into the point I mean, of someone else has suffered and I mean, that's not, not cool details, but the kid rock stuff you did apologize getting the chain like that when i heard that story i was like the next day Fletcher came and he was like, that's what I'm saying, you apologetic. You knew yeah. what you did fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he, he kind of had that coming regardless. But like, he's on the warp Tour and Kevin's like, you need to go apologize. So I apologized. I mean, yeah, I felt kind of bad because I didn't know him or have a real reason to do it. And you saw him later on. It was whatever. All good. Yeah, yeah. we haven't had any beef. <laughs> he had a security guard that's supposed to keep him away from me, like 400 feet at all times at a couple shows back in the day. And mm. But he was... Uh, we were playing this one show, and he was like, "This is after the Warp Tour time." Yeah, 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 and they were huge. Like I think it was like a month later, they Ball, sold like a mil- nine shit. million yeah. records or something. We were playing this one festival, and uh, he, we got done, and he was headlining. And there, these guys came and say, hey, "You need to get in your van, bus, and leave." We're like, "What? We just got off stage. Like we have all this booze and food. We're, we're chilling." No, no, you got to bounce. You know, it's in Kid Rock's contract. I'm like, "Fuck." What contract? Stewart's like, what contract? Like, go get the contract. So you come, they come back with the contract. So it's basically like, you have to leave after you're done. You have to leave. It was a radio show. You have to leave the property. And we're like, nope. So he comes back with the contract and goes, and Stewart goes, let me see that. And just snatches it out of his hand, crumples it up, throws it on the ground and goes, what contract? And he had like four security guards with him. Wow. And I was like, let me tell Kid Rock Fletcher wants to see him. So he goes and co- come with me and he takes me in the dressing room and dude that was that thing where they had like that stage with all the squares in it and and it, it was strippers he had like 10 oh, strippers remember, yeah. on on tour with him right in in the background how long after the war was years after the war yeah years okay. it's probably like five years or something okay. he's huge he's absolutely huge and um i hope op- i walk into this room it was like backstage and it was like 10 naked chicks People doing blow, people smoking weed. I swear to God, he had like a throne, like like a traveling throne. Like I think wow. it was like gold, and it was like elevated. And he's just sitting up there, like smoking a cigar with his chain on. He's like, "How can I help you, Fletcher?" I just looked around. I go, "Guess the joke's on me, huh?" He's like, "I guess it is." What can I do for you? And I'm just like, just full Van Halen video, wow. just naked cocaine fucking, fucking weed just raging and he's just like overseeing the whole thing just like dream dreamland you know for like a rock star right Holy so he shit. he hit it just how he wanted to i'm like we just want to hang out and watch the show bro no beef no trouble he's like all right we can allow that no problem and we watch the show so wow yeah, it was pretty funny and and i mean that like i've had a couple people like mention my name around him like somebody somebody's in an elevator and they go they called somebody else, and they're like, oh, hey, I'm in the elevator with Kid Rock. And they oh, tell him Fletcher said hi. Hey, what's up, kid? Fletcher says hi. Boom, just attacked by his security guards and just fucking thrown out on the floor of the elevator. So shit. He used to tell people he fucked me up. He beat me up, which he didn't. Yeah. And uh, I guess recently he's admitted that he probably couldn't beat me up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, he's, he's Kid Rock. What are you going to say? Like, the guy's... He's he's different. He's different than us. Yeah, but, but there's a thing people were listening. Like the Warped had a rule: it doesn't matter how big your records are. If you signed a contract, you're playing on a flatbed for two hundred dollars, but you have a hit song on MTV. Yep. It doesn't mean shit. You have to play eleven in the morning or twelve. You wake up every day. You get your schedule at ten a.m. It doesn't matter how big you are. So some people weren't down with that, and they would go and try to complain to Kevin. 
and and Fletch would be like, yeah, that's how it goes. You know what I mean? Like a lot of bands were like, that's what Why on that stage? You're on this stage. It didn't matter. That's your. And he was like, we need to be on the main stage. And he was like trying to push no effects. So I was only visiting on that tour when I kind of went off on him. Oh, shit. And Kevin and Daryl would tell me this. You wait till you see this guy. Like his manager's in here talking about how we need to move no effects off the fucking and this, that, and the other. So that's when I rolled up on him. Yeah. Wasted. Kevin and Daryl like, let's go get him. He's going on stage right now. And that's when I rolled on him. So, yeah, it was... uh, The only incident I never really saw or heard about it. I know it's not an urban legend. I know there's supposed to be a video of it. But it's the only one where, where me being like an animal lover, I was like, damn, and that respect to the elephant is when you suppose you snuck into a zoo, went to go pet a baby elephant when the mom saw you and picked you up and body slammed you? Yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> it's not exactly how it went, but okay, tell it, cl- me. close enough. Uh, I should have brought the video for you, but um, oh, wow. yeah, the it was, we were just going to the safari park to like, you know, festivals are boring. Yeah. And you come up in a safari park next to the festival. It's like, oh, it's game time. Like, we're playing with animals tonight, for sure. I'm an animal lover, so yeah. I wanted to go pet the, the white, the, the tiger cubs, right? Wow. Which would have been a fucking mistake. I would have probably been dead, but... Um, so we're on the way. We we cut the fence, and we, we enter the Serengeti Wild Animal Park, and, like, me and Ronaldo, I think, and, like, Adam Schwartz and Zoli, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And um, we... Ronaldo came across the elephant compound first. Like the first thing, first animals he saw was like a three car garage. He's all there's elephants in there, and I was like, oh fuck, I love elephants, you know. He's all it's pitch dark, don't go in there. And I I went in, and it was pitch dark. You couldn't see your hand, and I just I could hear them, I could hear their chains. So I just went up and found them and just started you know petting them and shit. And um, they were all like my height. They were like seven foot, you know, uh, with tusks and shit. Right? You wasted obliterated okay like embarrassingly obliterated so i'm petting them and then those guys came in eventually and i was kind of like you know i was feeding them a little bit of beer they liked it i know some animal lovers like you can't feed an elephant beer no uh -uh. beer i had one beer how how much how much could it was like a shot it wasn't even a shot for an elephant like yeah yeah. i just was you want to sip and they fucking loved it so i mean shit yeah i mean like he got the one elephant got a couple of sips off my beer, and then, um, like, uh, Zoli was, was like, Don't give him beer, they don't like them. I'm like, well, Why is he drinking it? Why does he want more? Like, but regardless, uh, I was gonna let him loose because I was like, They shouldn't be chained up in here, which would have been a big mistake because they would probably ransack the festival and killed some people or something. Wow. So, thank God I didn't get that far, but uh. I was just kind of like, these are my brothers, these are my people. Like, thought I was Tarzan, took my shirt off, getting all like <laughs> one with nature. I really love elephants, you know? Yeah. And I was like hugging them, and I'm like, they could kill me, but they won't because they're my brothers. And just, you know, <laughs> like playing with these fucking giant animals. And then the third, so there was two of them I was talking to, and then the third one grabbed me by the arm, wrapped his trunk around my arm, and mom, dad, I don't know what it was, but big, big enough, and pulled me over and just, Gave me the whole like head down and just like trunk, tusk, head, just boom, gone. Like if you flicked a piece of paper, I was gone. Holy and you can't, shit. like I got pulled into the shadow so you can see the elephant rear back and hit me, but I'm just in the shadow so you can't see me actually get hit. But I flew like apparently like 15 feet through the air, hit the wall like seven feet off the ground sideways like Spider-Man. Like you just hear me go, ooh, because I didn't know it was coming. It was like getting hit by a car. Holy and, shit. And, he, and I thought it, I was dead for sure. I thought it was internal bleeding because I fell down on the ground. And then, 
You, I had my beer bottle still in my hand. It sounds like fucking Scott Radinsky threw it at the wall, like 100 mile an hour. Like the, the beer bottle hit. So when you hear the video, how hard the beer bottle hit the wall is like how hard I hit the wall. Holy and, shit. And, uh, Break your ribs and shit? Yeah, I broke a couple of ribs and my elbow and jet, my hand was cut and jacked up. But uh, Holy yeah, fuck. I, yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. So I I learned my lesson on elephants. Yeah, he hit you with the trunk from behind, right? No, he he, oh, he, he put me right in front of him and he just bowed his whole head, pulled his whole head back like this, and just went. Like I mean, I had a tusk mark across my rib cage up into Holy my armpit, fuck. so it was almost like I got forklifted, you know. And I mean, like if you know, if you like, if you flick anything, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that. It was it was game over. Like it, it was just whew, high speed. It was like getting hit by a Volkswagen. You feeling the next day must have been fucking brutal. Oh, I was done. You had to go to the hospital. They wanted to keep me in there for uh, uh, a couple of days because I couldn't breathe right. Like you're gonna get pneumonia if we release you. You know you have to be heavily sedated so you breathe in deeply. Yeah. You don't get oxygen in your lungs. Well, I'm like I got to show twenty five thousand people tonight. You know. Like super, super glue the pick to my hand because I had to have like surgery on my hand and I couldn't feel my fingers. And um, I remember Byron was pretty mad. He's like, if he drinks any more alcohol in this tour, I'm going home. Was there? (laughs) (laughs) Were you drinking from day one on stage with Pennywise or that later on in your career that started to happen? Like drinking before you play or only after? Oh, no. Didn't matter. Practice. Okay. Like at practice drunk, every practice, basically. The whole thing was like, who's bringing the beer or whatever so we just drank at practice drank at shows i mean i i i got sober or i quit drinking i wouldn't call it sober for like two years yeah at one point and um i like got in some trouble and i was looking at like a assault charge so why you were sober no i was drunk i was drunk on new year's eve and the next day it was like one of those ones like oh that would have been bad that would have been like my fourth assault felony assault like oh better cool it so i quit but uh you know, it was no big deal. It was easy. And then besides that, like every show I've been buzzed at or drunk yeah. or, or wasted, <laughs> depending on who you ask. But yeah. But are I, you sober now? No, 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 no. I mean, right this minute. No, I, I know you yeah. are now. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I don't really, I, contrary to public belief, like I don't drink. I used to drink every day, like, but you know, over the last, you know, 15 years, I drink on tour every day, come home, don't drink for a month, you know. If there's something to do, I'll go get drunk. But it's not like everyday booze and no daytime drinking. Even on tour, like I would never start drinking until like yeah. before the show. I try to like come to the show like an hour and a half before. Because if I come two and a half hours, yeah. we're going to have a problem. Because the Diet Coke's only going to last so long <laughs> before I put some mixer in there. So, yeah, I try to try to keep it a little more chill. It's better for the band, better for the fans. Like if I'm, I mean, but we've always been a band that partied, you know. Yeah, and there always. was a time when... Randy was partying too, so it'd be like everybody. The be- I mean, to me, the best show is when everybody in the band's wasted, except Byron, because Byron can't play that good when he's wasted. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He might have one or two, but like when Jim's wasted, it's fucking awesome. Like just that's. Fun, I mean, to yeah. me, it's it's not the definition of punk rock, but like things going wrong is punk rock. Like 100%. things not being perfect and and just having fun and just you know we're we're notorious for like throwing throwing the party. Yeah, and sure. we're actually our fans. Like you can go to a lot of clubs and a lot of places around the world, and they'll be like the most booze ever bought and ever drank in this venue was when you guys played here. Wow! So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's a fun band. Yeah, we should get a cut of the fucking bar. It's good energy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is is it true you got Blink One Eighty Two on the Warp Tour? Like when um, they're kind of young. You had something probably, to do something with them. I tried to get them signed to Epitaph, and wow, 
and I, I, Brett didn't want to sign him. And then um, about six months later, I told Brett, I, hey, dude, if they don't make you money, take it out of my paycheck. But he's like, no, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not really into the band. Wow. Okay. Six months later, he's like, hey, I'm signing this band called Blink. I was like, really? Never heard of them. But uh, he, he, he put the deal together. Okay. And they were ready to go. And then they got, and then the MCA popped up. I was like, hey, we want you. And I was pretty pissed about that. I wasn't, mm. wasn't stoked on that. But they, they went the MCA route. And then uh, I just, there's that story about how I negotiated them like onto the Warp Tour for the next year. But Shoot they, night style? They're like, yeah, they were, <laughs> no, but they were like, see, they, the, the true story of that is they've got it wrong. That I knew they were going to be huge. And Kevin knew they were going to be huge. I'm like, you're putting them on next year, Kevin. He's like, I don't know, bro. And I'm like, you're putting them on for 500 bucks a night next year. You're, and they were getting paid like 200, like right wow. now. Like they're one of the young youngster yeah. bands who's playing. Well, they're going to be on here next year. You're going to pay them. Well, it might have been like a thousand. Like I was like, I'm going to get you a thousand bucks at show next year. And they're like, no way. I'm like fucking sign the paper now, Kevin. Kevin's like, okay. Like he signed it. Like really happened. And of course, they figured out they sold like fucking. 10 million records like yeah. a week later and they're like we ain't playing for a thousand dollars on the warp tour <laughs> like that was the plan to get them back there sign this contract of course it didn't work Holy but so yeah shit. it was they don't they they don't know that side of it he blew up so fast too yeah uh, yeah i mean they're I they love talking to, always talk about pennywise being influence and all that stuff yeah we I mean, took them to australia um when they were really young nobody because okay. um, they were getting used on some taylor Steele tra- soundtracks Oh, yeah, so it was yeah. awesome. It was fun, fun as hell touring with them. Um, just a bunch of smart ass kids. Uh, shout out to Mark, by the way. Fight, yes. Fighting the shit, like yes. uh, doing good. I think. Ho- hopefully, yeah. That's he's, what I've been reading too. As Tom posted about it as well. Yep. PMA his way. For he's sure. fucking awesome. He's he's been uh, super cool to talk to lately. He's got a you good. Talk to him, yeah. Yeah. He's got a good good attitude. Good I, I don't talk to Tom much. Travis is obviously busy right now. Yeah. Gaining followers on Instagram. I'm like, hey, bro, I know you're doing good. Like, hit me back. Says, no, I ain't fucking. I'm in Italy, motherfucker. I'm so I'm so happy to see he's flying. I was really fucking stoked to see that happen. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a long time. Um, you mentioned you just mentioned that surfing. You got us on two videos. I know you remixed "I See It in Us" for a BMX video. Maybe it was a Jason Steele surf. You you took yeah, our yeah. song and remixed it. I remember back then. Yeah, for I one of those compilations. Yeah, yep. Yeah, for I think it was Taylor Steele comp like mom, momentum. Yeah, Taylor Steele is a surf director. He yeah. did uh, Momentum and uh, Focus, and he's basically the guy. Like punk rock was always synonymous with like skating. Yeah, and and in the skate videos from like a long time, but surfing was still like reggae or like yeah. you know soul or whatever. Like it was like Jerry Lopez surfing Pipeline to like Grateful Dead or some shit, yeah, right? Like Sublime or something, maybe no. I don't I even think Sublime had made that breakthrough, but. Okay. Taylor did that. <laughs> Taylor did that momentum video. Is there any of those liquid deaths around here? Yeah, you get one? Thank yeah. you. Uh, liquid death. Liquid death. Uh, I'll take a flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard of that guy until you brought him up. Those compilations. Yeah. Yeah. So he he did the one, and and he had like Bad Religion and Pennywise and and a bunch of bands like that, and and it was like the coming of age of like Slater and Kalani Rob and Machado and all these new surfers. Thanks, yeah. bro. All these new surfers were. Uh, you know, blowing up and they're doing airs and it's a different style and it went really, really aggressive. It went really well with that soundtrack. So we mm-hmm. did some tours, got you. We did a tour with you, I think, on yep. that, right? Yeah. And um, that was a uh, theologian put out a comp and it, God, that comp was so good, man. It was like so many original songs on there that yeah. were like, there was that was back when you could call Rancid or 
call yeah. call the sentence, be like, "Hey, can we do a song?" Like, yeah, now and now everybody's so busy. Not that you couldn't call Rancid and say that now, but yeah, it was just easier to get things like that done now. Yeah, and now everybody's you know got their on their own path. But yeah, that was a rad comp, and I think we did a full. Did we do a full U.S. tour with you on that one? Yeah, I was just like, we did like twelve tour. Our friends sent me lists like. The snow jams, the West Coast tour, the East Coast Southern tour, Mexico. The Mexico shit was awesome. Oh guys, too. god, that was great! I can't get back to Mexico. That was epic shows with you guys. We man. were talking about that yesterday, man. That was really insane. great shows. Yep, really fun. I mean, besides, you know, what is like? What do you think is like one of the biggest misconceptions about you? Me personally, think people are scared of you but don't really know you. Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, like you've had. I've heard so many people tell me that wound up working for Pennywise that were in bands or roadies. They're like, dude, we see on the Warp Tour, the policy for the whole band and crew is just go the other way. If you're in line for catering, turn around, go back to the bus and wait till you're not in line. I'm like, wow. wow. Like that. Does that bum you out? No, nah, it makes me kind of laugh. You like, you like have a <laughs> reputation like that? Uh, I don't really think about it much, but I, I mean, like I know it, it's become pretty obvious over the years. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people and they they won't tell me they know me. Like, mm. you know, I'll, I'll do business with someone or I'll be somewhere and like, well, yeah, yeah, I've been listening to you for, oh, why don't you, oh, I just didn't really want to, you know, talk, <laughs> you know, fuck with you. And it, it's, uh, I mean, there's, there's some, like, there's a lot of people that think I've like killed a bunch of people and shit. That's a pretty weird one. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm a killer. Um, I know there's, you know, like I, I <laughs> the, my lady I'm with, Rosemary, um, her friend, so we're on a, in Australia on tour with some bands, and uh, she's with me, and and like she, so her friend sees her hanging out with me and stuff on this tour, and she's like, "Hey, Rosemary, you're like you know, like he's he's killed some people," and wow. she's like, "What?" And she's like, "So and so," and I'm not gonna name names, like, but like people in the music industry, yeah, like they they actually think I've killed a bunch of people, and I'm like, "Yeah, cool." Whatever, I'm like, <laughs> haven't killed anybody. I mean, I've wanted to kill. Well, I have a long list of people I'd like to kill, but you know, I uh, apparently it's not normal to plot out how you kill and dispose of bodies. Randy just informed me of that. Mm. Do you ever do that? Like, no. plot the actual <laughs> how you're gonna do it and then how you gonna get rid of it. Fuck. So <laughs> I'm finding more and more people don't have that problem. So I guess, uh, yeah, I'm probably good for it if I need to. Let's just say, but uh, yeah, no, that's one that's like. So, I mean, if someone, if I'm walking up to somebody at a bar in Hermosa and they're like, oh, fuck, that dude's killed people like he's a murderer, mm. that's probably not the best, you know. Nah. That's that's a misconception. Yeah. 100%. And like some, some, like, someone was like, oh, yeah, and, and he tortures animals. I'm like, if I will kill you if you torture an animal. And he just told like, that story. I had a totally different story. He told me, that. yeah. It's, it's like, I, I love animals. Like, yeah. I love, I love, I mean, like, I would literally, like, I would pick a dog over a human any day of the week. I, I pull over in the fucking fast lane, like to pull giant pit bulls off the fucking center divider yeah. with like hundred mile an hour traffic. Like, I'm I'm a, I mean I'm I'm not a vegetarian or vegan. I try to be. You try? Yeah, I, I think I was I was at the market. And I was like, I should bring to Toby like a an Impossible Burger. Someone, like, what's up, bro? A little gift. You fuck <laughs> with those? You like those? I love them. I actually like being immediate. The people, dude. Like I I make all veggie tacos like. You know, Morningstar, whatever. Like, I like veggie tacos better than I like. You know, just put the Lowry salt seasoning salt in the yeah, yeah, yeah. in the fake ground beef. Like, yeah, I have no problem. I just I still eat a steak here and there. I'm not like strung out on meat or anything, but I I would yeah. love to go that route for planetary reasons and also health reasons. You know what I mean? At least you see the connection with and and, and I and suffering of animals. Yeah, like, see, at least you see that most people don't see the connection of like 
I love dogs, but I eat hamburgers. You should see that it's all connected. So hypocritical. Not many people see that. Like people trip out and they're just like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Like, it, it, it's like you cannot be an animal lover and not consider being a vegetarian. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like. In the environment yeah. too, all that stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the environment's a huge part of it, but nobody, you know, people that don't want to know about it, they're not going to, you know, I mean, how many, you probably know how many gallons of water it takes to make one hamburger patty? A lot, man. How many? I think it's like over 500. 1,200. 1,200, 1,200, yeah. Double cheeseburger, like what, 3,000 Did you gallons? watch some of those docs too? I've watched them all over there and over go, again. Yeah. So, uh, we had a baby pool during, that doc came out, we had a baby pool in the backyard, it was really hot. I was like, man, I haven't eaten animals since 1988, I can fill up my fucking baby pool with water because a hamburger takes more than the baby pool, you know, like crazy. It's like 187,000 gallons to raise one cow. People are like, what, yeah. that's impossible. Like, okay, so you you have to water all the grain and corn, whatever you're feeding the cow, you have to grow those plants. What? All you got to grow those plants and you feed them to the cow and the cow's got to drink water during his whole life. So they're like, oh shit. It's like you worry about the flush in the toilet in the shower, Take but a short it's, shower. it's more, you're, you're wasting more water on a fucking hamburger than you are in your shower. It's, I tell people this all the time. That's and cool, cool you know They're that. like, oh, bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, well, here, want to Google it real quick? Like I'm taking short showers, I'm driving to Prius, but I'm but eating I mean, hamburger I mean, at McDonald's. If everybody, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, if everybody stopped. I always had this thing um, I wanted to do on Earth Day because my birthday is on Earth Day. I was like, why don't we do like a full shutdown of everything? Like the only thing is emergency services. No work, turn your electricity off, no water, have your water in the fridge, whatever, no showers. The whole world, like Christmas basically, but no cars, nothing, just one day worldwide, Earth Day. And people, it's impossible. What's up, COVID motherfuckers? Like, Ooh. boom, it just, everything done. Yeah. And not for days, like weeks. Like there was times when it was just deserted streets and all, and just imagine just, hey, we're just going candlelight today or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, we, we, we're destroying the planet and people will be like, fuck you. Like, global warming's a hoax. Yeah, right. It's pretty fucking hot in here, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> like, like it's it's like Mother Nature's Mother Nature, and there's the Ice Age and all that shit. But, like, hey, scientists, like, if you believe in anything scientific, yeah, which you have to because it's fucking science, like, yeah. we're depleting the ozone layer. What's that? It's like sunglasses for the planet. And when the sunglasses have a hole in the middle and the sun go like, go to Australia I fell asleep on a trampoline for like 17 minutes in, in uh, New Zealand. I looked like a fucking lobster that came out of a Damn. boiling pot. Like, and, and that's where like certain places where the ozone layer is depleted because of chemicals like you know um, aerosols and shit. Yeah. What? With, you know, spray paint and fucking hairspray. Like, it, it's like people don't get it. They don't want to get it. And it's like cow cow burps it's not cow, cow farts far. yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. farts it's yeah. burps it, it's the methane like all that shit read about it and it's worse like than you, cars man, all that shit. it's worse than cars yeah. and so you're eating meat you're driving a car and like it's just gonna get to the point i think this like the scientific community the worldwide scientific community like a month ago or came with a report that's like we're in deep fucking trouble and we better do something about it um and if you keep ignoring it it's going to be to the point where it's kind of like People that don't want to get vaxxed, mm -hmm. like my buddy didn't get vaxxed and he got COVID. He's like, I'm getting vaxxed. I'm like, if you get out of the ICU and you live. And he's back in the hospital actually for this because he, he's got no oxygen. And wow. he's, already, he's in for like a month. It's like, now you believe it because COVID was a hoax. And now you believe it because you got it. Like, yes, I believe it. It's not the flu. Like, I've never, he almost died, right? Yeah. And so then you're a believer. Well, 
in like 10 years from now, people are going, oh, maybe global warming is yeah. a problem. Oh, and maybe we should have done something about it 10 years ago. And like, of course, nature is going to take its toll no matter what. Yeah. That's going nature route. But if we can help stop this shit or slow it down, we should probably stop to start doing it. And one of the things is like not eating meat. Yeah. And and not, not driving gas cars. I mean, I, I, I'll always drive hot rods until... They pry them out of my fucking dead <laughs> hands, you know. Like I'm, yeah. But like, you think, I, it's, a, you think it's a convenience thing for people? Like it's, it's not. Well, like, I mean, what's stopping you from not eating meat? You think? Um, it's probably a convenience thing. Like, uh, I was thinking today, like I'm gonna try to eat vegetables all day, but where can I get some good vegetables? At Carl's Jr. <laughs> like, you know, like I can't. Like fried zucchini don't count really. Like and and when I get like yeah. good vegan food, I love it. Like I have no issue with it. I mean, you can get like a Beyond Meat taco at like Del Taco and shit. Fucking banging. I love that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. So I mean it's just it's it's programming. Like I always say yeah. like people gotta when you're a kid. You, like we associate a hamburger with like a fucking toy. You go to McDonald's, get a Happy so Meal, true, get a toy and a y- little yellow wrapper. If you were like, "Hey, son, do you want to kill this cow and grind them up and put them in your mouth?" You'd be like, "Fuck no, Dad! I Snacks. like I like cows." But when you give them a toy and a little yellow wrapper, then it's My like whole life's been like you, that. And so you you just get you you get programmed, and yeah. to get off of it is re- it's really hard. Milk yeah. does the body good and all that. Yeah, shit. people, you need protein. Okay, fuckface. How do rhino? <laughs> how do rhinos and gorillas like? And they're like, what? And so, one thing that was interesting to me, and not going, I'm not like preaching vegetarianism or whatever. It's just no, I know. do what you want, but like be smart, which I'm not yet. Um, <laughs> so I'm a hypocrite. Uh, no, but at like, least you know that you're conscious of what. Yeah, like I try. I make an effort to not eat meat when I when I can't. You know, yeah. when I don't, and or when I have the chance to be, make the right decision. Uh, but like triathletes, like a bunch of gnarly athletes were like, I've broken all my records. I've come to a plateau. I hold like I am the fastest of this, that, and the other, whatever. What can I do? Let's go vegan and do completely plant-based proteins and everything. And guess what? Their time's improved. Like you can look it up that sure. some of the gnarly athletes went full vegan and they crushed it. And I know when I've, I, I mean, I went like a year without eating meat at one yeah. point, but I know that when I go veg, the vegetable route, like, you know, I'll, I'll make like a giant pot of vegetable soup. I can't believe we're talking about all this shit right now. I, I love, and I'll, I love hearing, <laughs> fl- I love hearing you talk about this, dude. See, it's a, mis- I love it. I never <laughs> yeah. talk about veganism with this guy, man. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'll do a pot of vegetable soup and I'll do like all veggies for like a week and I'll feel fucking better, period. Like, meat. So, you know, it's good if you know it feels better. Absolutely. It's just, it's just a matter do you of cook like. A lot? Uh, that's the problem. Like I'm always, I'm always on the move. So yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, when I, when I'm home, yeah, I try to cook, but like half the time you're out and then it's like, Oh shit, let's eat a steak. Cause it smells pretty good. <laughs> is there vegan options at your Mexican restaurant? Do you still have that? Los muchachos? I do not. That place okay. is closed. My standing room. It took my, my partner at standing room. It's closed too. Or the one we had is closed now, but, uh, I'm like, you need a, we need a veggie burger. Fuck that. We, we serve burgers here. Eventually, <laughs> eventually he got to kill it. He made his own patties and he got to oh, kill wow. it and he sold the shit out of me. He's like, you were right. I'm like, of course, dude, there's a bunch of people that want to be healthy and like, you know, are conscious of that shit. So, I mean, to each his own, it's just like, if you don't believe that meat is ca- having an effect on the planet and that we can't sustain, like with the population growing the way it is, we have to keep growing more cows and more pigs and more chickens. And the fish population 
we cannot, if we keep growing humans, we're going <laughs> to run out of fucking food. And then guess what? It's going to be all plants and we're all going to be eating Impossible Burgers, period, because that's all you're going to be able to eat because we don't have any room to grow any more cows or the capability to process it. So yeah. it's coming. And fixing you know, the global warming is coming too because we're going to be forced. Just watch and see. Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Just wait and take your I love your, the open-minded you watch all it. that shit, all those docs and stuff. Yeah, like. I love that shit, man. I, I'm a hardcore preacher. I'm just a fucking, like I said, a total hypocrite. I give <laughs> my friends shit all the time while I'm cutting into a T-bone. Um, you, you had a lot of investments. Though. You, you've been smart with your investing. Like You have the Screaming Leopard Studio. Is that you still have that? Mm-hmm. That's an OG spot, right? I wouldn't call it smartly invested. I would okay. call it um, made zero <laughs> money off it ever in my life. Oh, shoot. What about if you have a skate line with Serial Killer, too? Is that Serial old? Killer, that was old. That's that, some old school shit, though. Yeah, that guy, Matt, Matt uh, McAfee, he passed away um, years ago. and uh, That was a big brand. He was 90s, crazy. Man. Yeah. We, I just had the skate the skate end of it with him, which was fun. He was, he was a, talk about a fucking maniac. Woo! That guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. knew how to party, boy. He liked the, <laughs> he liked the rock cocaine. He liked, wow. to get, he liked to get crazy. But yeah, he... Uh, He's gone, rest in peace, and uh, serial killer's gone. It still makes a little resurgence here Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I thought it was a... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought the studio you had for a minute, though, right? I've had the studio. We, me and Byron uh, own it, and Justin Thirsk from 98 Mutant Cast Lovers, yeah. Jason's brother, Mark Theater from Theologian was in on it. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it just never made money. Like it, We just put money back into it, and with a lot of local bands like Record, we give yeah. free days, we give discounts. So we just kind of turned it into like a local watering hole for bands that are up and coming i'll, I'll go produce bands there and shit and just oh, that's cool and you know once pro tools came out like you can record in your living room so you, why are you gonna go pay money to be in a studio if you don't have any money yeah. so and we're not some high level we got really good gear but we weren't like one of those places that could compete with like nrg or something we're yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. we're like a five four hundred dollar a day studio mm-hmm. and if you know well you've been smart with you, you, you own your place obviously I'm, yeah yeah yeah. That's about it. Long time ago. But you got there a long time ago, though. Yeah, I got it's it for smart. cheap a long time ago. That's smart, though. That's it. I mean, uh, restaurants, you know, yeah, like restaurants, uh, tattoo shops, those are good. I That's got, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Third Street and um, and uh, Deep Seas and Redondo, and those are both crushing. Like, we, we've pretty much, like, we're like, this is the punk rock shop, and cool. everyone that works in there listens to punk rock. We're like a little family of hairdressers right there's always, <laughs> there's always some fucking drama down there but uh yeah, yeah, really yeah. great people that we got working long long termers and uh that's cool to be involved in that one of these days i'll start going down there and slinging ink if you save me some room yo i'd love to get a tattoo from you man that'd be fucking amazing I, this is a really this is a kind of funny question you think pennywise would ever open up a bro him open up that's the first song in the set we have opened we up with it sense. we have opened up with it when we knew the show was going to get shut down right then like oh, the shit. riot was just starting and we're just like boom go and just hit it you know just it's probably happened it. a couple times but yeah i we've thought about that like why don't we open with Broham and then close with Broham? it'd be kind of fun they play it at sports events and all kinds of shit right yeah it's nfl licensed it now wow. i think like a couple teams the the ducks use it for a goal song the jacksonville jaguars it's like world series Dude. uh super bowl it, it's pretty crazy it's one of those songs that like you know, you it's life of its own. It's so massive. Yeah, it's not even. It's like transcended beyond punk rock. Just people know it. They don't even know. Like so I could be sitting next to a bunch of people singing "Bro," and they have no fucking clue that I'm in the band or I wrote it or you wow. know help 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 write it. So. And, and then like then then being in a band with Jim your whole life, and then him leaving, then Zoli coming in. Is that weird for you to be in this brotherhood? Then a friend of yours come in and takes that role. Is that was that a fun experience? I mean, the record's great. Zoli fun. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Zoli. I mean, is it weird doing the new singer? 
Like if I left in my yeah, band no. did a record with somebody else, like yeah, no, the whole thing was weird. Yeah. I mean, obviously we didn't want Jim to leave, but you yeah, know, it's like twenty years of of mayhem. I mean, obviously, obviously everyone's guilty. I mean, Jim's got his issues that we have issue with, and like Byron, Randy, Jason, everyone had, everyone's got issues. Me, especially yeah. me. So like, <laughs> you got to put up with all these fucking wackos. Like I'm like I'm fine. I'm not I'm not causing any problems here. It's like yeah, you just fucking bit some random dude, and lit a fucking you know building on fire and fucking smashed all the windows of the bus. That's no problem there. And that was just <laughs> yeah. last night. Like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of refocused. Like, when Jim came back, I'm like, yeah, you know. I, you get in that, sel- I, well, I got in that selfish mode where I was just drunk and just re- yeah. reckless. You've seen it a hundred times. And it's just like, oh, this is fun for everybody. It's like, nah, maybe it wasn't that fun for the people that I kept up till 7 a.m. on the bus. Like, Doing whatever you were I was a party doing, no matter what. Yeah, I had my party. Just like fuck off, like go back to bed. I'm, it's fine, and it definitely wasn't. So you, we've all had to deal with each other, and uh, regardless, you know, Jim. It's Jim, a true brotherhood, though. Yeah, Jim took took a break, and we kept rolling. And Zoli came in, and Zoli, as much as I love him, he he's like a maniac. It's like a, yeah. it's like twenty percent love, and then eighty percent like complete maniac. Um, and so it. it Zoli's a great singer, but it never felt like Pennywise. It never yeah. F- like, yeah, we put out a good album, like yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it never felt like, there's just, it's just, we're a brotherhood. We're, it's, totally. we're a fucked up family. 100%. And it was like, we're going through the motions with Zoli and like, no disrespect to him. Like, it just, he's just, a, he was just cut from a different cloth. Yeah. He was funny. He had his moments and, and it was all good. Like, we're still friends and everything, but uh, it just wasn't like, it wasn't the same. So yeah. when Jim came back, you're like, oh, here's what we've been missing for the last th- three years. Personalities yeah. and everybody together. Yeah, it works. Right, and we're still fucked up. We're still trying yeah. to figure things out, and we, we always will be. I think, like, got to get to a certain age where we're just like, hey, we give up. Like, we all just don't <laughs> yeah. want to argue anymore. Like, let's just, here's the path. Here's the railroad tracks. Just stay on this path and don't even, don't even fucking look out the window, you know? But but you love um, it. You love playing still. You love all Love that. it. Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I just, it's it's. I mean, like Jim will say, like Fletcher will play for a fucking, you know, a six pack. And it's pretty much true. Yeah. He literally just said that recently in an email. Like, <laughs> you'll play for a fucking 12 pack. And, you know, I have, I have, you know, other things going on. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much true. I mean, and it's not, I don't know, just like I said, like it was like basketball or punk rock. And it was punk rock, you know, just that feeling of getting on stage and, or getting in a backyard party. I just like the mayhem. Like, you, if you give me like, a two foot high stage with a bunch of people like pawing at me and spitting beer at me. That's my, I love like yeah. fuck a festival with a 20 foot barricade. I hate that shit. But yeah. I mean like, okay, it's fun. Like at, on a certain level, it's cool. 50,000 people, but like I'll take 200 people stuffed in this kitchen right now all day long, any day. Yeah. Like for free for, for fucking liquid death. Yeah. doesn't <laughs> even have to be beer. This shit's pretty cool. It's too. really good, though, right? Oh yeah, it, it's, it's actually horribly, horribly good. Because you first start drinking it when I first started. Getting, I think you sent me yeah, some. Yeah, I did. I was like, God, this is this is not good water. But wait a second, I really like it. For <laughs> and everybody that drinks it, like, it looks like a beer too. So if you're trying to be sober, yeah, yeah, you can you can keep it real. You know, uh, Look, looks like a a Mondello. Th- yeah, that, yeah, that's my neighbors drink sometimes. I'll go with my water. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have any like crazy near death experiences from? Part- <laughs> Jesus, like, 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 like one that almost scared like, you straight? Like getting smashed by an elephant? Yeah, that's pretty. That's, he tried, he I, I would try, say that one. He tried to finish me off, too. Luckily, I didn't unchain him um, or her, whatever it was. No. Wow. 
Do the females have tusks? I don't know, man. If, if, know that. That's pretty... Sh- we don't know that. We it's don't pretty know bad. that. Yeah. Probably <laughs> so if it might have been three males in so there, that, that's know. the scariest problem. No, no, that wasn't. I, that that I was blindsided, so I didn't really. But I near death did. I've I've rolled like three cars. I've I've had so many gnarly near death experiences from motorcycles to jumping off of you know eight story buildings over boats in the harbor. You know, just the dumbest. They both, they both have, have yeah. Okay. yeah, so maybe it was the mom, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it's uh, I, I've done the dumbest shit you can imagine. I mean, I should be dead a hundred fucking times over. Yeah, do you par- do you ever think why, or you feel like you're invincible? Nope, I never think. I, I thought I'd be dead by I was twenty by the time I was twenty one. When I celebrated my twenty one birthday, twenty first, I was like, how the fuck did I make? Because I was going hard, like fifteen, sixteen, dust, acid, quaaludes, booze, you know. Cocaine. I was dealing fucking cocaine when I was 16 years old, Damn. like slinging dope, like driving around in a car with like weight, wow. dumb shit, right? So strapped up too. Probably. No, 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 okay. strapped up back in those days. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but uh, yeah, like just dumb shit. So, and I'm not like proud of it or anything. It's just like I've done so much dumb shit and gotten away with it that I don't. I wouldn't say I'm melanotomy. I still ride motorcycles. I still, you know. Do, Live life to the fullest. Yeah, I, I'm I'm broken though. Like my knees are broken, my hips broken, like my back, my neck, everything. Yeah. So many car accidents, so many things. Um, but yeah, definitely. I rolled the car one time <laughs> on the on the baseball field at my school, and why you went to that school? It was a couple years after okay. I left. On and and I could, I woke up and I was wasted. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Fresh trim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I woke up the next morning and I couldn't hear out of my left ear. I was like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, I, uh, "Something's wrong." And, I was like, and you know, I was so hammered during the accident, the car caught on fire and blew up and shit. And uh, and uh, I reached up and started messing with my ear, and there was mud, mud and dirt in there. So my head came out the window on the muddy gra- grass yeah. and shoved yeah. a piece of mud in my ear, and it was like. That's pretty close to dying, you know. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's young too, man. Like, I had a lot. Well, you had no moments where you're like, "Yo, I'm gonna quit everything. This is too fucking crazy." But you always seem to maintain and go from sober to not sober and fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah, the only time was that one, that one like assault charge I was about to get, and I was like, "You can only get some get away with so many assaults, like especially like felony assaults." You get strike. You striker. What does what does that mean? Well, like. Well, strike is a felony conviction, a violent felony okay. conviction. So, there's a whole thing about that too. You could go. So, and if you're a three striker, you go to jail for life. Yeah, but they were given like the third strike. They were giving it to people for like selling parsley to an undercover. Mm, That's the whole. Guy. That was a scumbag shit that they were doing, putting locking people up. And now, recently, there's been a law that you know goes and looks at all those cases and lets people out that shouldn't be convicted. Man, yeah, like you're getting yeah. a fucking. I mean, like I try to tell people that argue that like, like. You get in a barroom fight with your buddies, and then like something else happens, you're out at a gig or something, and you get in another fight. That's two felony, like yeah. And you, and then all of a sudden you get busted for like selling oregano to another. The first guy that got struck out was at the Redondo Pier, and he stole a piece of pizza off a table from a kid. He walked up. He was like a drunk dude down at the pier, and he's like, "Can I get one of those?" And the parents had like walked away, and they're like, "Oh." take it and he walked away with a slice of pizza and he got busted for felony strong on robert he got life sentence they let him out quietly like four years later like i happened to see the article i was eating breakfast back of the newspaper it's like yeah they didn't want anyone to know but like that kind of shit so i mean like 
I, I got a couple felony assaults with a deadly weapon, and that's I was just like, man, one of these is going to catch up with me, and and I got this one. Well, I didn't get it. The guy was trying to press charges on me for it. I didn't do anything. I'm not even going to tell you the story because it's it's <laughs> fucked. It's politically incorrect, but um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's pretty funny. You were uh, never scared of going to jail. No, I never scared of it. Even to this day, at this moment, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, because I know you know what's going to happen to me. Like, it's you know where I'm. It's just <laughs> inevitable. <laughs> I'm a white dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, uh, and that's you know, I'm not hanging out with the others as as they call. Yeah. Some people in there, and it's like it's just it's just a bad. It's not a path I want to go down. You yeah. Know? It's it's like a never. That's the problem with the prison system. If you're going to live, you're going with your people and that's fucking it if you don't you're probably gonna die yeah. and that's how fucked up you know the government is like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like that and uh so i don't want to go to prison because that's just you know it's it's not not fun doesn't sound like yeah, no. that doesn't sound i mean you know and, and i know a lot a lot of convicts i know a lot of people that i grew up with that wound up you know doing like life sentences. Oh, dead or jail, yeah, yeah. And my brother was, you know, one of them and um, helped out a couple people, got out, you know, helped. I've helped out a lot. I've actually fucking thrown a lot of memorials for a lot of yeah. people that were convicts that got out and some of them get it together and they don't want to go back. So, yeah, I, I wasn't ever scared of going to jail. I mean, I went enough times. Yeah. Um, but I never went to state prison and, you know, I'm glad I, I didn't and I'm not planning on going. But then again, I sit here and go, wow, <laughs> You know, all it's going to take is one night where I just cross that like 14th double rum and coke because mm-hmm. that's about what will happen after about 14 doubles. Fuck. And I'm a, I'll cross that line and something stupid's going to happen. And so it's definitely playing with fire. But the last time I was looking at another felony assault and I was like, well, I need to straighten my shit up because this was a close call and it was because of alcohol again. Yeah. And so I quit. You know, but here, yeah. I, here I am still going strong. Can you hand your alcohol at, at the age you're at now like you used to? Are you feeling it's weighs on you? No, I think it. I think I'm better. Like, it's harder for me to get drunk. Like, I can drink more. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. I, I, I'm hangovers are fucking horrible still. Probably it, worse when you get older. Because you, you're like, yeah. I don't know how it works. But you look I, good. Are you like 55 now? Yeah, 55. You look good for your fucking, age, man. Fucking old man. You got a good a, hairline, it's, too. It's the alcohol. It's the alcohol. Uh, Whatchamacallit, uh, preservative, right? I always check out people's hairlines when they come on the pod. He's going to get hairline this guy. Don't worry, it'll be gone eventually. <laughs> Can you ever see yourself sober, though, in the future? Like, do you want to grow old drinking a beer on the porch? I fucking? think about it all the time. Like, actually, recently, because I'll, I'll get drunk. I won't think I'm drunk, and I'll do some stupid shit. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fucking not, I'm fucking dead sober. It's like, how, you just had like 13 drinks, and they're doubles. And you're not sober, but I keep telling people I'm sober, and I'm like, God damn, I was fucking stupid last night. Did some stupid shit. So, yeah, I think about it all the time. Like maybe I need to fucking turn the faucet off for a little while. But have you learned from your mistakes with all that stuff? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, it's the. (laughs) I love how honest uh, you are, though. It's just, I mean, I'm gonna. You're gonna see me. We're gonna go play a show, and you're gonna see me. I'm gonna be drinking, and I'm gonna be drinking more. I'll be drinking on stage, and I'll be drinking after, and then you'll see me in the hotel doing some stupid shit, like, oh, Fletcher's drunk, here he goes. No, I, I don't learn. I don't know why. It's fun. It's fun getting drunk. I mean, I used to want to go in the bar, and I'd order like a triple, because I'm like, let me get fucked up really f- as fast as I can, because I want to start breaking shit and causing trouble, and that was like the excuse. Like, let me just get drunk, because then 
it's not like I wanted to do a preemptive, like I'm going to go break shit tonight or just cause problems. It was like, let me get drunk so then I can have an excuse to do that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be an asshole. And uh, yeah, like 98% of the time it's funny. And then the 2% of like, okay, you did this last night and now you got to say sorry and get your wallet out or get your bail money out or yeah. like, yeah, you know, or you're just, you're going to feel just fucking downright shitty because you were a fucking asshole. Fuck. Which, so yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It's not really an excuse, but it's definitely, it's kind of like temporary insanity. Mm-hmm. You know, when people do shit drunk, it's literally like they're insane people. But you enjoy it. You, you have fun being destructive. Yeah, I, I have fun, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to go like bite, you know, Randy. No, I know, I know. While I'm sober, I'm, I mean, although I probably thought about it, like I, the <laughs> shit you do when you're drunk is not normal. Yeah, and it's it's literally like, but you're the one putting the shit. I mean, it's like, hey, come to the bar and get drunk and and we keep, keep your years. keep your car keys in your pocket. Just don't drive home. Yeah. You know, it's like you yeah, started you're at fucking, 13 years old though, Max. You really owe me. Yeah, yeah. Man. Both did, my parents were were drinkers. Did so. your dad drink up until he passed? No, he got sober. Wow, how long was he sober for? He was sober for like, I want to say 12 years or something because he got lung cancer. Okay. And so I'm talking like hardcore. This is a guy that would, when I was working for him, say like 16, 17, because I was already kind of pretty much out of high school. I already dropped out kind of in a way. Um, I go to work and he dropped me off at home at like 5, 5.30 and he wouldn't come in. He'd just go straight to the fucking bar. Wow. And he'd come home at two, you know, one, two in the morning, obliterated. And then wake up at seven, like, get up, boy, it's time to go to work. And I'll be like, fuck. Like, I went out partying with my friends. I went to the gig. I got home at like 11 or 12, and I don't want to go to work. But he, So it was like, get up. That was a work ethic. You go to work. You have like one beer at lunch, maybe yeah. two. And then you go back to the bar at five. And so that's my whole life was like construction work, start drinking at five or four, Miller time, and then go. Miller time, And yeah. then get up and do it again. And I did that like my whole life until Pennywise came. And then it was like, oh. The same thing. Let's Miller times it. Well, band <laughs> band practice was Miller time. Yeah, and then Showtime was like, yeah, you just go and you party till three, four, five, six, seven in the morning, and then you know do it again the next night. Go to sleep, wake up. I mean, li- like literally on tour, like I usually just wake up and start drinking. Damn. But but I w- but I'll I'll party till like five or six or seven in the morning, and then I'll get on the bus, go to sleep, get to the hotel room, go to sleep. We're playing at nine. I wake up at eight, take a shower, start drinking, get to the show by ten o'clock. I'm fucking lubricated, and then Dude. it's go time. I mean, I don't know if that scars well, but there's been times where we would check in the hotel with him in Snowcorn, and he would have a stapler stapling his arm. Mm. When we were checking in, like this, there's, there's a story to one of the tattoos. You just took a, a tattoo gun up your whole arm, right? Yeah, that one. That this one, one all the way out. Yeah. Does your good. back say "fuck you" or "fuck off"? Fuck off. And you, you have a lot of home tattoo did in yourself or no? Um, just have people random. No, I did. I did the line. I did like whatever. I, I, when usually someone's tattooing me, I'll I'll take the machine for a minute and do a little of work. <laughs> they get kind of freaked out. I'm like, no, it's just tradition. I just let me do the D, like on on that or the J. Oh, you did it on there. Something bad. Um, that that scar right there. It was from that night of the hundred thousand record party. Hundred thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's on the pod. You have to hear. We talked about the elephant too. We can hear. You didn't hear. Later. There's a the epitaph has a DVD of. Uh, like a, it's Punkorama. Yeah. Where they made a cartoon of that story of the scar. Did you tell the story today? How no. did you, you Was that stabbed? I or? was like, I had. Uh, we got wasted. They threw it like a tequila party, uh, like the Mexican restaurant. 
and there was like some Ohio blue tip matches. So I kept on like, fl- your tooth? I'd flick them and they light, you know, I'd light it on my mouth and flick it at people, at people at the party. And the guy, um, John, who worked in the shipping room, it land, one of them <laughs> landed on his face and it like stuck to his cheek and burned, oh. burned him. Right. So that's lame. So that's a bad one. Right. Okay. That's where you feel bad in the morning, right? Yeah. Facial burn. Right? Facial burn is definitely one to feel bad about that. Like the first like twenty people that got the the Ohio blue tip were like, Oh fuck you, Fletcher. And then the other one was like, "Ah!" burned his burned his face. So then we me and like some other dude, I forget Jimmy or something, who worked there, went to Smalls and he was lecturing me about how uh, what an asshole I was and how I burned John and I was in trouble and you know, fucking why did I do it? And I was like, it was an accident. And he's like, you're fucking ass. Like going on and on. Keep in mind, this is our 100,000 record celebration, right? So First I First record, right? On the road? Uh, no, second. Oh, second, second. So, okay. so I just took a whole. That's right. And I was trying to get the bartender to give me a drink, and he wouldn't. He was like trying to cut me off. Smalls. Remember that bar in Hollywood? It Maybe, was like pretty yeah. famous. Anyway, no, anyways. I'm not really a bar guy, but I might have heard yeah, Yeah. So uh, I lit a whole pack of matches on, on fire and like set it on my arm right here. And I told the bartender, I'm like, like I'm I'm Satan's disciple. Give me my fucking <laughs> beverage now. Or I'll kill like I'll kill you or I'll something. Burn the building down. And I was just like burning my arm. And that guy the bartender didn't like that, so he called the cops. And he's oh, all you're going to fucking you're going to jail, buddy. Police are on the way. I'm like, fuck, and I'm hammered. And I was with like Ken. And I went out and I was like, Oh, the only place really that made sense to go was like on the roof of the bar. Like I'm on the streets, you're gonna get caught usually, right? Like yeah. you can't run. So I got up on the roof really quick, climbed on the roof, and I was sitting up there, and I saw this police helicopter, dude, like, it was it was so far away, I'm like, helicopter, I'm like, fuck, is that the police copter? I'm like, nah, but anyway, I hid under this tree, and sure enough, the fucking spotlight was on me, I was like, what the fuck, man? I was like, oh, that's right, cops, like, infrared, they can see me <laughs> under this big tree, and then the cops around the building, get down, and, you know, had me at gunpoint, I'm like, I didn't do anything, and they're like, get down, and they fucking arrested me, and there was paramedics like and the, then the sergeant came and he got me he picked me up and he's all the fuck did you do i'm like i didn't do anything he's all what do you mean I'm all, i didn't do anything like i just burned my arm with some matches he's like what he's all you got the fucking fire department the paramedics you got fucking nine cop cars the fucking helicopter and you didn't even what what did you do and i'm like nothing he's all i gotta take you and charge you with something i'm like well what climbing on the roof so, anyways, they charged me with like disturbing the peace. It was nothing, but uh, I remember like being handcuffed in the, um, and they had to take me to the hospital first to look because it was like a third degree burn. Damn, obviously, and they had me handcuffed for a while, and then they took me, and then I woke up in the drunk tank, and um, and there was like three other dudes drunk, <laughs> and they brought, and they were all passed out, or they, I was in the cell, whatever it was, drunk tank cell, and I took all their all the the breakfast came, and they slide them in. And I fucking took like all the sausage. I made like I ate the best shit. Like, and I rearranged everyone's plates. Like, you know, Looked I took like what I wanted. It. I rearranged it so like everyone had an equal amount. But I like all the sausage and all the fucking potatoes and <laughs> shit. I was just hammered, still hammered, like seven in the morning. And then uh, we had a tour that started that day. Oh my god! Yeah, my buddy p- picked me up, bailed me out, and uh, I threw up out the car window on the way home, and got home and got on a plane. What so, happened to your right hand? That scar is on top of your hand. It's fucking. Oh, that's a, that's a fork burn. I like to burn myself for some reason. So that's, that's a, I can see the fork right yeah, there. The shape lot, of it. Got a lot of burns. 
So you like burning yourself. Yeah, that was like a lagway. Or no, who was it? Uh, who was that? Good riddance. We're on tour do you, do with them. Do you feel pain or do you like feeling pain? Uh, I, I kind of like it for okay. some reason. I don't know. I went to the dentist today. <laughs> and my dentist knows, like, I got, like, I have, like, 18 crowns because all my teeth got broken and shit. Long story. But I hate needles. And so she was doing this dental work for, like, years. I mean, I'm like, no more fucking Novocaine shots. I hate that shit. Oh. And she's like, I'm really uncomfortable working without Novocaine. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, if, I, if I'm if i dying, if I'm going to divulge military secrets, I'll ask you for a goddamn shot of Novocaine. So this morning she's all... I take it, no Novocaine for you? Then I'm like, nope. And she's drilling on tooth. And like, you know in the drill, like, it gets, it starts getting hot. And then it's just immediate pain. Like, yeah, I fucking. Felt that shit? I was just going, I just grabbed my fingers and just squeezed really hard. So I was in the chair for like an hour getting a tooth back there. That tucking. Yeah, With no Novocaine? No Novocaine. Fuck it. I'm over it. I, I wouldn't say I like pain, but I don't mind it. Yeah. But I'm always in it. Like, all my joints and everything are broken. So I'm just always in pain. I, I, that's kind of, that's kind of a mind fuck. But like. Burns, yeah, I'll take a hot fork right now and burn myself. And maybe right I don't. Now, you don't even care. Nah. That's Max. It makes me laugh because it usually because uh, <laughs> usually someone else is about to get burned or they're or they're getting burned. You know, like the Goodrins guys got burned. They got Sean's got a bad one. Like the this too. Really? Yeah, they got burned. It's a fork. Yeah, a fork. And they yeah. we did each other. So I was like, they held it on. They held it on really long. Wow. On that one, it that was a. Uh, I got, so we had the last show got canceled, but my hand was getting infected. And I, I literally had to walk around in the airport, like holding it up. Cause if I dropped it below my heart, it would just start throbbing. So I got home and I went to the doctor like, fuck, you're infected. You got to see a plastic surgeon. So it's called a full thickness burn. It went past like third degree. It went to like just no skin left, like whatever, Holy shit. all up in there. And the guy said, yeah, you need to get plastic surgery and you need to do. You know, they had this fucking crazy procedure they were going to do, cut my skin and pull it together. I was like, Pfft. and what are the other options? Like, none. I mean, you, you could keep, like, scrubbing the white shit off because you got to scrub it off to make it heal yeah. or it would get infected. So I just went home and scrubbed that shit off for, like, a couple of weeks over and over again. That was that hurt. That looked like it hurt. But yeah. it healed up. It totally healed. So when they tell you you can't heal, look at that. It's completely fucking healed. It's crazy. You see the fork. It looks like looks like a superhero logo, like Emma or something, yeah. It looks like a... What's the skateboard company that had the little burning guy? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spitfire. Yeah, Spitfire. Spitfire, dude. <laughs> Spitfire. Love it. Um, do, uh, do you have any daily rituals? Do you coffee guy or... You're not uh, a yoga guy. Can <laughs> yeah. I wish I was, but no. Uh, yeah, I like coffee. Uh, drink a monster. I wake up and... You do you know, go to the ocean? Walk might up? have to take a Norco here and there to get okay. get the bones working. Okay. I, I, I'm not into pain medicine, but like, yeah, I'm broken. Yeah, uh, a bike ride. Yeah, bike ride. I was like telling this story. It's pretty funny. Uh, my buddy f- from SRH, Ryan White, who like did a bunch of Pennywise tours back in the day, yeah. and, and um, Kevin Zinger on Suburban Rise, he's got this electric bike company, and he built me a bike, hooked me up. Pilot, talk about pi- bikes pilot, one. Wow. pilot, like the big fat tire, like it, it's like it's a badass. It's a big ass bike, so it can okay. support my big ass, and I like I can't make it up the hills from in Hermosa, so I was like, damn, now I can go on a bike ride. Like a regular ride, don't use the power and just power up the hill, right? So the first day I ride this shit, I go to Redondo Pier route and um, there's like uh, police tape everywhere. The way I go through the pier on the bike path, what the fuck? So I went into the parking structure, popped out pigs everywhere, and I was like, oh, shit, that's right. There was a shooting down here last night. So on the way back, I went up the uh, 
it's just my morning ritual going on a bike ride on the strand yeah. on the strand to like Palos Verdes and back. And I go back and I and I went back up on the bikes and I had like a little power up the hill and I went into the area there was no police tape and this detective's like, What the fuck are you doing? It's a crime scene and I could see like where the body was, like on the rocks and there was cops and detectives everywhere and I'm in the parking lot. And he's like, Oh I go, I didn't see I didn't see any police tape. I came up for him, he's like, Get the fuck out of here or something along those lines. And I go, Yes, sir. And I took off and I looked down and I ran over a big ass Rambo knife and an evidence tag and it <laughs> smashed. The evidence tag broke. It's like a little Carl's Jr. thing. I think it said like nine on it. The bike tires for those oh. fat ones. It, it, I ran over the knife and then that. Holy shit. And, you had uh, the murder weapon. Oh, so I was like, oh shit. I just kept going <laughs> and I looked it up. The guy, the guy had a gun and he had a knife. So they shot, I think they shot him right there in the parking lot Fuck. and he dropped the knife and then made it to the rocks and, and died. Holy so that was my morning ritual was going on a bike ride. That's what happened to me. Holy fuck. The other crime day. scene. <laughs> yeah. I was like, shit, crime scene. I'm like, oh, crunch. Yo, despite like, all your insanity <coughs> and drinking and violence and everything, like, to me, you, to me, you've always been super respectful, always nice, like a big teddy bear, always so good with, my, with H2O and just always hanging with you and shit like that. And you're always smiling. So my question to you is, do you consider yourself an optimistic person or pessimistic? Optimistic, yeah, absolutely. I can see that too. That even though, even if all, with all your crazes, you're very focused human. It's uh, like I don't know. I mean, that's like one of the things Jason brought to the band was mm. the optimism and the PMA spirit. Yeah, and I, I was pretty nihilistic. I mean, I'm still pretty destructive, obviously. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I. Instead, like the early punk rock days were kind of, it was kind of like, fuck everything, it we're was. all going to die, you know? Live fast, die young, anarchy. like fucking anarchy, and it was just like wheels fall off. And now it's like, ah, you know what, having a bad day, tomorrow could be better. And and so that's a lot of, you know, that Jason brought, uh, and Jim as well with his lyrics. Yeah. They kind of taught me that, and, you know, minor threat, like all that kind of stuff, PMA, um, I think it's just a better way to live, you know? Yeah. And, and, and what are you going to gain by sitting here going, this is going to happen, and here's the negative road. And it's like, well, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe some good shit happens. So, you know, just keep on rolling that direction. To me, it's like better to be up. Not that I don't get down or get bummed out or think bad thoughts, but yeah. it's just like, fuck, you just got to force yourself to keep going no matter what life throws at you and just keep on rolling. Take your Take your minute to grieve or... Or re reboot, but at the end of the day, like it, it's not going to stop. Like my my buddies, one of my best friends' moms just got diagnosed with cancer yesterday, wow. and she had a stomachache. And it's like boom, it's like all right, like that's what life's giving you today. Like tr- keep positive, like raise yeah. her spirits, and it ain't over yet, you know. And it's just like you got to just you got to keep uh, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, it seems like life won't wait. Every time something bad happens to me. Or like a curveball, like you know, it's great, and then I'll, boom, what the hell? Like get a phone call, get in a car wreck, like. Yeah. But you know, and it's like life won't wait. I always think of Rancid, Rancid. like because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like life won't fucking wait. It's kind of like Mother Nature. Mother Nature ain't waiting. Uh, Mother not. Nature ain't waiting. Like, with this COVID too, man. Yeah, so just like hey, man, it's coming. Like whatever, however good your day is, get prepared for something else. Or however bad your day is, get prepared for something else. So yeah, it seems like you live your life to you live your life to the fullest from day one. Yep, my my mine's, mine's well your way. When I retire, I'm going to be fucking retired, like wheelchair, like push me around, <laughs> give me my pain meds and shit, and my scotch and yeah, my pipe. Fly. Fuck it. Um, it's fly season. Fuck flies. I hate it. Before them. you go, I want, I want, yeah, I want to talk about the punk rock museum with you too. Okay, bye, Max. Have a good surf. Right. Go 
Where are you going surfing? Where are you going surfing? You know, it's funny. Bro, him is one of the, like, you know, like a huge surfing song in the surfing community. Yeah. And when me and the homies were, uh, we, we were in this car, this, like, um, this BMW convertible driving on PCH. We're like, let's play a song. And my friend's like, our friend Xavier, he's like, play Bro, him. By Pennywise, and we listened to it, and we went surfing that night. It was such a such a cool, like, fun vibe, you know. There you go. And that's and that's young kids are listening to it. I'm about to go surf trestles right now. Trestles, damn. You can listen right. to throw him on the way. South. Yo, drive yeah. safe. All right, buddy. I love you. Um, the Punk Rock Museum. I had Mike on here recently. He talked about it, and he just lit up just speaking about it. I know that. Um, he hit me up by getting some East Coast bands involved. He gave us like fourteen hundred dollars in shares of the uh, museum. It sounds fucking amazing, man. Yeah, I heard him. You're a big I, I heard him. He's like, yeah, I hired Fletcher. I'm like, you hired me, motherfucker? <laughs> like, I'm going to have to, when he gets back from Europe, I'm going to have to talk with him about that, those words. But uh, You've been a big part of it. I, I fucking, too. I invested in it with my money, yeah. and like a lot of people are, and then I just, I'm like, you know me, I get passionate about shit, so yeah. I just jumped in and started trying to help as much as I could, and you know, Mike's like, hey, can you call some people? No one's calling me back. <laughs> That's what happened. I'm yeah, but it's, it's, all, it's amazing. We talked about the thing, but there's so many different people donating so much cool shit. Oh, dude, it's 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 rad. I mean, obviously, like there's an investment opportunity there, and you know, hopefully, it does well. But the the whole thing about it is, uh, it's our legacy. Like we've been doing yeah. this what like, punk rock's been around like 45 years now or something like that. And yeah. you know, you got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You got this. You got that. And and it's. Remember, like in the '80s, like punk rock was just considered this shit, screaming and yelling with no message, like shocking, violent, everything. Yeah, yeah just yeah. all bad. And now it's like, oh, what? Where Green Day is playing? Like, is that tonight they're playing? Is that the I, Forum? No, uh, the Dodger Stadium. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday, Tomorrow. like, like, you know, you think about that. Like, so we've put our mark on it, on the world, and the music is awesome the lyrical content is like the realest it gets you know it's like you can't deny the message of punk rock the freedom the unity like the independent independence and and it's uh, i mean you look at how many people like rap in the rap culture even country western i just found out like uh uh what's his name trace atkins Uh is that right Mm -hmm. god i always get their name is that a country singer like he, he, he's yeah. a huge Pennywise fan. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? And um, I always get those names confused. But yeah, like, so it's it's just gone into like so many, it's it's influenced so many people. 100%. And, and, and now it's like you got Miley Cyrus and like Lil Wayne wearing Misfit shirts or Black Flag shirts. And it's yep. like, and they probably actually like, from what I hear, they listen to, they listen to the shit. Yeah. And it's, it's, so it's, it's high time. Like, I think we got a place where we can all put our shit in there and be like proud of what we've worked for all these years to create. You know, it's, 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 it's a legendary thing. Yeah. When's this, when are you trying to get open? When's I mean, you know, how it goes, it's COVID season. So yeah, yeah you call the city hall and they're like, yeah, we'll talk to you in like three years. It's crazy. So Damn. we're just dealing with the building side of it. It's taken longer than we thought, but I mean, it's like, it's going to happen. It's just a slower road because of COVID, but, uh, the cool thing is it's giving us more time to get artifacts. Like I know Mike was talking about like Henry Rollins shirt and him him throwing his shirt off stage yeah. and his mom had sewn the tag in there because he was leaving on tour. It's like it's like, you know, your mom sews your tag it's in your underwear, right? Man. I was at that show that he oh, threw it at, you know. I'm like, now it's in a bag right here, like this guy Dr. J has it. There's wow. so much cool stuff and like you know, if you look at like for us to go look at like the little mock up drawing of like the Suffer album that no one's original ever seen yeah. the original sketch like hey what do you guys think about this 
that's rad. Sick. And then the album cover next to it. Like, there's so many little things that are going to be cool, but punk rock's so visual. Like, we're going to do um, punk rock, you know, hardcore, thrash metal, skate, street art, art. Like, I mean, think about the, everything, man. Like, think. So, the Johnny Cash Museum, it's awesome. And you got Johnny Cash, but like, think about the artwork around punk rock alone. Like, Crazy, the man. fashion side of it is so gnarly. And you have like everything from black leather Ramones to like Sex Pistols, you know, to. California skate yeah. punk to suicidal. It, visually, it's going to be insane. And uh, Dogtown so many, yeah, Dogtown. Uh, been talking to Jim Muir about it, Mike Muir about it. It's just going to be really cool. And there's a lot of cool things like Mike was talking about, you know, Keith Morris giving you a tour through the museum. Like Jack, we're going to do the wedding chapel. Like Jack Grisham's ready to marry people. Like a lot of, a lot wow. of guys, a lot of the older dudes, like, hey, you want some extra income? Like, we're going to book you, Jack Grisham, for this week, and everybody can go on and book their tour like you can walk through by yourself but i mean you don't want to walk through a check grisham and get the history of his version of punk rock yeah, it's gonna be crazy cool. yeah it's like, amazing and so there's so many different generations too yeah yeah, yeah. like and, and it's still going punk rock's not stopping like yeah. you know turnstile will be in there right Ooh, they fucking yeah. killed it the other night like killed it. there's a whole new generation so it's 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 an ongoing thing i mean the rock and roll hall of fame like get inducted no you're automatically fucking inducted if you're a punk rocker you're you're in here and you're like yeah. so it's it's gonna be it. really cool and i think vegas is a good spot you got the stern brothers involved you know everybody from shepherd ferry to tony hawk to brett girl it's kevin lyman like so many heavy hitters are back in this thing yeah it's gonna be really fun and you guys will be there and you'll it's exciting. yeah yeah, get yeah. Your little eight by you know or four, three by four picture <laughs> somewhere on the wall there yeah <laughs> <laughs> You can get art engineer. I love they can have like different like uh, art shows, book shows, all kinds of shit. There. Uh, there's the, the like people playing movie room, yeah, yeah, podcasts. Yeah. Mike was talking about the jam room. Like he's all you get to play my amp. It's like no, like you're gonna play the amp that I played Broham on the record and like the unknown road guitar. Like those will you're gonna go in there. People like, you can't do that. It's like why? I yeah. threw that amp out a fucking two story window. Like a, <laughs> you know, the guitar got broken in half. I glued it back together and don't care if some kid plays it. Like yeah. that's what you want. Like turn it on and be like, oh my God, there's that sound. Like can you imagine like playing like, you know, Joe Strummer shit like yeah. through the rig, the way it was set up if he was still alive to like put it there and you could just rock out on it? Like the Brian Brake Brian Baker's guitar. Yeah, nasty, yeah. He's gonna shit. he's gonna give us the uh, broken the broken white diagnostic guitar. Wow. Like there's so much cool shit it's gonna be That's like a nerd chip you should probably love You're gonna walk diving. in there and just be like Damn Are you fucking kidding me? Like How about some Iggy Pop shit? Dude, we're we're trying to get everything, you know, every single thing we can get. And I think it's just gaining steam right now. And, you know, we're it's gonna open when it's ready, but hopefully within like the next five five. What can months. people donate or go to, to to find out about it? Um we have a the punk rock museum on Instagram. So yeah. you can go in there and then there's there's a website too, and you can figure out how to how to donate it. There's like rewards and shit for donating or you know lending. You don't have to donate it. Like we can, yeah. just, we're doing like three year lends. We should do a big show. We all play together and like raise money for it too. That'd be cool. Too. Yeah, I mean, well, we already yeah. talked about doing like a, a fun like a GoFundMe because it's almost like whether or not like all the money comes from investor side to open it because it's not cheap to open a museum, obviously. But like we were like, we should just do a GoFundMe and let all the punk rock kids around the world like the part o- of it. own a piece of it. So. I mean, I think about how many times I go to the, to the Ramones Museum in Berlin, right, like right. fucking ten times. Look at the same thing just because it's there. And so it's awesome. you know it's closed right now. We, and we and we're talking about bringing all their shit. Well, if, if they reopen, I don't know why it's closed, but uh, CJ's talking to them about we're gonna do a trade on stuff so mm. and promote them so we're going to get stuff from the Ramones Museum That's obviously got to try to get a hold of Linda pretty soon to talk about some shit and you know 
the, we'll do merchandising. Like the coolest, one of the coolest things about like, here's an old TSOL adolescence flyer. We're going to do a thousand shirts of that. And that's the only place you're going to get in the world. Limited edition. Boom. Yeah. The bands will get paid more money. We'll do sp- split seven inches. We'll do posters all like, you know, Shepard Ferry original. Boom. We'll do a thousand of those. So we're going to have this gift shop that's going to be fucking Fuck. next level yeah. hot, it'll make hot topic look like hot topic it sounds like almost like a dream it's almost like something you're it's like your whole childhood in one spot you know what i mean like something yeah it's i mean you're you're gonna walk through and trip out like grand opening like it's gonna be insane but it's so many moving parts like it's overwhelming i've been like 10 hours a day grinding on that right yeah grinding i mean trying to get people excited and then trying to get the construction done and then trying to think about artif- artifact hunting and you know i'll be like hey noodles yeah, can I get the duct tape guitar, like the real one? Oh, <laughs> yeah, the the one. Like, so he put duct tape all over guitar, and that yeah. became a prototype for the actual Ibanez that they they made oh, a duct shit, tape okay, model. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I got it in the warehouse. Like, cool. Damn. So like shit like that. There's only you know, there's only one of it in the world. One period, and you're going to be able to see it and maybe yeah. not touch it, but my shit you can touch. <laughs> uh, other people's shit might be under glass. Might be more valuable. But it's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. And what's this gonna be called? The Punk Rock Museum. Yeah, Punk Rock Museum. You know, with all a bunch of cool shit in there. I'm fucking stoked, man. Yep. I think we covered a lot, right? Any questions? You're probably good. You're always nerding out at the end because you're a fan too. Yeah. But he is. He is right about the the drunkest uh, I've ever been at a concert was a Pennywise. Show. Oh, the, dr- the drunkest Lacey's ever been at a, 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 like, a show on. was a Pennywise show. We pro- oh, Marky, Marky yeah, okay. yeah. We probably told, we always say like, hey, fucking drinks are on us, just fucking tell the bartender, go fucking <laughs> boom. People like raid the bar and shit. They're like, no. <laughs> and so maybe I've never drank guys. at a Pennywise show, but I definitely had beer thrown on me at a Pennywise during Blue Yeah, you probably got a, a, like contact a contact bus. high. Yeah, probably I probably threw up <laughs> on you or something. Skin. Yeah, um, no doubt. I'll, Fletcher, thank you for your time and everything you've done for music. And um for H2O, always looking out for us. I mean, he took us on a lot of great tours. and Always been always good. Love solid crew. Solid crew. I appreciate that. And and I just lear- I learned more about you today, too, man. This is a long time coming, having this conversation. People, you you know learned that I, you learned that I back I back veg- veganism and, and I don't kill people. I, I see, yeah, exactly. I see you drink water. <laughs> and also that you're, you're, also, you're also a big teddy bear in my eyes as well. Yeah, I can, you got a good I can be nice. I can be nice. Yeah. And, but but there I'm, is, I'm, a, I'm like, what, what do they call that one? Like... Uh, anomaly. Yeah. Like I got, I got all kinds of good shit and all kinds of bad shit rolled into one. So. Yeah, but, but you know what? You're not a perfect human, neither am I. And you're honest about it. You're honest yeah, about fuck the it. shit. What are you gonna and do? And you're forgiving too. Yeah, forgiveness is a big deal. You can't forgive people, and you're fucked. You carry that backpack. You think bands should have therapy? Yeah, we've we've gone to therapy. The whole band? Fuck yeah. Like in the Metallica movie? Yeah, but oh uh, shit! If we if we made a movie like a real movie. <laughs> Right, like, and it was like I want to. Fl- I want to. It was real. It was being filmed, and we're we were like individually being filmed. And shit, it would make Metallica look like a fucking preschool. Like, wow, uh, they they're they're lying in that movie. They're it's way worse than that okay. for Metallica, guaranteed. I saw Trujillo uh, the other night. Uh, like his kids band Auto played it. He's a shredder. Yeah, he played at a a backyard party in East Los, East Los and I rolled in there. And Trujillo's in the pit with a bunch of fucking eighteen-year-olds. So wow. fucking awesome, raging like two hundred kids back there. He's in the pit. I'm like, fuck yeah! And then I, after the show, he's carrying all the kids' gear and shit to the Dude. to the car. I'm like, you need some help with it? He's like, oh fuck, what's up, Fletch? Like, just fucking the and no one hassling him. Like he the bass player from Metallica, just raging in a pit in East LA at a backyard party with his kids' band. 
That's his, dude, Ty's he's just fucking rocker, killing right? it. Yeah, those guys are they're so good dude, too. That's so cool. Like he hear that about him. Like you mean the massive band, but he comes from what Venice, Dogtown. Yeah, vibe. He's just awesome. Infectious yeah. grooves. Yep, all that suicidal baby. Like he's one. One thing I did learn too is that Pennywise had a funk song. I need to hear that shit somehow. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it goes into a fast part, so it's easy. It's, um, it's there. It's there for the liking. All right, thank you so much, guys. That was fucking awesome, man. Thank you. Good times. That was great. Later. Dude. All right, Fletcher, thank you for coming back for, um, back on the pod for me. I do this all the time when I forget shit and I call people back. Um, I spoke to Chino on Thursday after I had you on the pod. And I told him I had, had you on here. And he's like, did he tell the Kid Rock story? Because I was there. And I was like, we actually didn't. We talked about how you saw him um, a couple years later. So um, I, like to, I like to tell you what I heard because I always like the urban legend. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. In a nutshell, basically... You know, you were there. You weren't even playing that day. You were partying. He was complaining about a set time or stage or whatever. Usually, <coughs> usually bigger artists do because they're kind of confused of the warp tour rules. And then you rolled up to a stage. Um, there was some be- beers drinking or knocked over. Chain was ripped off. Sound booth was smashed into. You f- you left the stage, knocked over a bunch of motorcycles and fell into a fence. And that was pretty much that it. <laughs> <Flesh>. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> That's an urban legend. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I mean details. Yeah, I mean I I rolled kind up on it mm-hmm. with Kevin and uh, Daryl Eaton because they were kind of laughing about the whole thing because they were they were telling me they were the ones telling me when I arrived what yeah how Kid Rock had been behaving and management and like he needs to get schooled and. They were feeding me rum, and then they're like, "Let's get him," or you know, "Let's go check him out," or whatever they, you know, whatever they said. Yeah, I think it was "Let's get him." Okay, but just basically sicking me out. So I just rolled up, and I was like, "Hey, what's going on, bro?" And was he, was he on like, stage or not? Going on stage? No, he was on. He was next to the stage in the back. Okay. <clears throat> routine on or whatever it was. He's like, "Oh, damn! What's up, Fletch? What's up?" And he knew who I was. I, wow. I had no idea who he was. And um, I'm all right, bro. What's what's going on here? Like, what what are you all about? Like, what is this? What what's you know what's the deal here? Yeah. Kid Rock. He's like, oh, bro. I just want to get all the bitches and money like you. And I was like, bitches and money. Like, wrong answer, <laughs> right? And I was like, well, that's not how I roll. But I'm all. You want to be a rock star? You have to make some sacrifices. And then I just reached over and snatched his his necklace off wow. and uh, threw it over the fence into the swamp. Um, so, yeah. yeah. He's still there. Yeah, was that his grandpa's necklace? I mean, he got... I mean, I'm, no, no, no. It was, I mean, I was kind of back in those. I was into this thing like you had to make like, um, what, material sacrifices if you wanted to be like a rock star. Like you had to, <laughs> yes. you had to give, give something up, you know, in yeah. life. And the first only thing I could see on him was his necklace. So I snatched it, broke it off, and then fucking threw it in the swamp. And uh, which was, you know, a dick move, you know, and yeah. uh, total dick move. Didn't know the guy. I think I ripped my necklace off though too and threw it in the swamp as well. So it was make him feel like, better. Make him feel better. Kind of like when I threw Kevin Lyman in the swamp, I yes. jumped in with him. So <laughs> uh, keep it even, you know. If, exactly. I, if I'm going to do something else, I should do it to myself, right? So yeah. Yeah, so then uh, he's like, 
whoa, what the fuck? I was like, sacrifices, bro, sacrifices. And then just fucking wasted. And then went up on stage and he was like out there, you know, greeting the crowd, took a beer out with him. What's up? I'm Kid Rock. I mean, there was like 400 people watching on the main stage because no one knew who he was yet. You know, wow. maybe, maybe 500, I don't know. And I just walked up and removed the beer from his hand. He was like holding it up in the sky and I, I removed it and drank it. And then I think I probably broke broke the bottle. I went over, I picked the drummer up on a drum throne, you know, kind of up in the air. Oh, that's right. The girl I, drummer, that's right. Yeah, picked her up. And then, uh, and everyone's just kind of like, what the fuck's going on? I mean, the band wasn't playing. Like, it was just like all eyes on, on the big asshole, big drunk asshole. And then I went over to the monitor booth and put the, uh, just pushed all the faders up with my forearm at once. I think Greg, um, Greg was doing monitors and, uh, yeah. And then I, then I took off down the stage. By then there was about seven security guards coming after me oh, and shit. they started chasing me and there was kind of nowhere to go. Like, you know, the warped tour was always fenced in and, and there was just a fence, one of those portable kind of yeah. fences up. And I just ran into it full speed, like 300 pounds and just kind of dove into it, belly flopped into it. I don't know. And, uh, all the dirt bikes were on the other side of it and it hit, hit the dirt bikes and they just domino theory like all fell over on the ground and holy shit security guards got a hold of me and you know went to throw me out but obviously kevin's like no no he's good and he's with you know, us <laughs> yeah, he's with us you know and so that was uh, the next day you know i actually wound up doing a bunch of other dumb shit that night i think broke no effects bus window and um tried to actually jump the rental car over Johnny Palladino's bus off the uh, moto landing ramp. No my, way. Yeah. But my, and it was all set up like Johnny, we were moving the ramp and Johnny was going to let me jump it. He's like, you fucked the bus up. You're paying for it. I'm like, no problem. But my partner, the owner of theologian records, he had rented the car under his name and he fucking jumped in that car and drove it. Like literally, I'm not even kidding. He drove it like four miles away and parked it and like walked back. Holy he didn't, get near the car so i rode out with 98 mute that night to in their van to the next venue got in a fight with the uh guitar player in the van he punched me in the mouth pretty good i mean i might have had it coming but uh instead of beating him up i just beat the van up on the side of the freeway or, or wow. whatever all that back there turnpike and i didn't know at the time i fell down in some poison sumac back there and and <laughs> I, I was like, get the fuck out of here, and they left me. So the next day, I woke up like bloody in some hotel on the side of the road and had to take a, a taxi to the train station, train station in New York to, uh, I think we are in Washington. Wow, man. Took a train train to New York, because I think we were playing like, or Warp was playing what, uh, Rikers Island, or what was it, Rikers? Was it Rikers? Yeah, no. yeah Randall's, Island, Randall's Island, yeah. Oh, Randall's. So, yeah, took took a train there, got another cab, got in there, and everyone was just looking at me, just shaking their head. I'm like, "What's up?" They're like, "Oh, dude, you're in trouble. Like, you fucked up. You gotta, you gotta go see Kevin." And uh, so, were you Kevin, on the Warp Tour plane? You just hanging? No, no, we just went out for a couple Jesus days. Jesus Christ! Uh, so yeah, awesome. I mean, and he's like, <laughs> "Go ahead." Kid Rock's pissed. He's talking about taking his publishing, publishing advance, and having you fucking murdered. And uh, he's super a fuck. And I'm like, whatever. Like, you got to say, say sorry. I'm like, whatever, dude. I'll, I'll apologize to the guy. And then I, I went over and found him. And um, I, someone, I'm like, well, tell him I'll be right here. And I was kind of like between a couple of buses. And he rolled up with like six or seven dudes. And I'm like, what's up? 
just me, hungover as fuck. He's like, you fucking came at me gangster style. You should have my gangster style with fucking liming and eating. I'm like, come on, bro. That was not gangster style. I was the only one to even talk to you. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm like, what's with all your boys? He's all fucking rolled on me yesterday with boys. And I'm like, Puh. no. So, so anyway, I'm like, well, if you can do something, do it. But like, you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I was out of line. I was obliterated and I don't really know you. And, you know, so you fucking threw my necklace in the swamp. My son bought that for me. And I'm like, how did like a seven year old kid buy you like a, you know, $500 fucking silver <laughs> necklace? Like, I don't know how that happened. But, anyways, yeah. Damn. So I wound up buying him a new necklace because I felt bad about that. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, you, you were talking about how like I used to clean up my mess after You do. Yeah. I was like, dude, yeah, that was out of line. You know, I shouldn't, shouldn't have thrown your necklace, sentimental value, your necklace. Like, I'll get you a new one. He's like, all right, all right, let's do that. And I'm like, yeah, and, you know, whatever, like squash it. So he didn't, he didn't try to fight me or anything. Um, no, even though he had like five guys, six guys of them, like they could have probably got at me pretty good, but nothing happened. So uh, I wouldn't say we were friends. Like I, I, I rolled up on him during an MTV interview and I, I gave him that money, like right in front of the cameras while he was in. I'm like, hey, bro, here's that, here's that money I owe you. Wow. And I just handed him like 500, I think, or 600, how, whatever. How long after that incident did you see him give him money? Oh, like the next show. Okay, okay. Yeah, like I, I got him. It might have even been that day, actually. But because uh, I was only out there for a few days. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So it was all, all good. Like he was pissed, but it wasn't like anything terrible happened. It was just kind of like he he just needed to get schooled a little bit. You know how warm yeah. is. You don't. You don't come on a tour that's been running for like, you know, at that point it was probably running for like 10 years or something. And, and, uh, you know, maybe not that long, but, uh, and start like telling, you know, no effects and bouncing souls and shit like that, what to do. Like we're the ones that built that tour. And, yeah. You know, no matter who you are. And I, we've seen plenty of bands do it, right? Yeah. We've Alien Ant Farm did the same thing. There was an issue with that too. I, could, I remember like talking about on stage, like, why is that band on this stage? Why are we playing this time? And then they, they got checked as well. I remember that. They were even worse. They were fucking saying, hey, man, fucking no, no fucking pits. If you want to fucking pretend to be punk rock, go, go watch fucking No Effects or Pennywise. Save that shit for those guys. Don't fucking start that shit over here. And they were trying to be all like, wow. Emo, like, no, no pit in front of them. And, it was pretty funny. That one was like I think us, no effects, and rants had all yep. rolled up stage and and when they got off they're like, Oh hey guys and we're just like shaking our heads like, No, bro. Like you're done. It's you not guys how it works. Yeah. You're 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 fucking talking shit about the wrong people and they were like, Uh and they immediately went to Kevin. I, there there was a couple threats made, like punked him out and and uh, they went to Kevin and said, "We're out of here, dude. We're not. We're not dealing with this shit." And they just fucking packed up and went. I know. I think. So, I think like the, their guitar player like punched their singer in the face. It was like a physical altercation between them on stage too, as well. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That that went down, and it was like literally like who comes on the warp tour, gets on stage, and starts talking shit to the crowd about other bands. I know, man. I, like, me- I, remember, I remember they actually said like. Uh, like, why is Rancid on the main stage or something? They were saying crazy shit. Like, what? Like, they just didn't get it, man, at all. Yeah. But a lot of those bands, you know, they blew up. Like, what did they have a fucking cover song on the radio? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they were, they were special. And that's that's how a lot of bands are. You know, they, they blew up overnight, and they and then they, they change. And, you know, that's not how we roll. Like, we've all just, you know, taken our success with a 
grain of salt and always try to treat people with respect. And, you know, I mean, we're not, none of us are perfect, but for the most part, we're just, you know, we're all just in it together. And those bands just got weeded out really quick on the warp tour. And, yeah. and you know, a lot of bands are out there now still doing shit and they, you know, they, they're high and mighty and they don't need the warp tour or us. So they just run their own program and it's like, cool, go be a rock star. Go. Yeah. The one, the one, the one, but I know that was totally humble and totally, not complaining was some 41 playing on a fucking flatbed with a massive song on MTV and they would just crush it every day to thousands of people. They'd watch all the other bands that were hanging out with all of us. Like those kids were like, they were awesome. Yeah. They, that, they weren't complaining about their like nothing. You know, also yeah. school was, um, uh, what's his name? God damn it. I'm trying to blank. Cut my life into pieces. Yeah, man. Fucking Jacoby, uh, man. Jacoby. Yeah. Magical. Papa Roach. Yeah, fuck, sorry. Yeah, like they, I remember seeing them and I think they had sold like 200,000 records that week. They're probably like 400,000 records already and they're in like Tahoe or something on literally like the Vulcan stage or something. And Damn. Just crushing it. And I was like, yep, these guys are, you know, like they're getting, and that was rad about Kevin and the Warp Tour is that like he didn't play favorites. Like you, you were who you were, you got a slot and like bands like that, if they if they went out there and behaved themselves and did their thing, then he'd pop them over to the main stage, mm-hmm. you know, here and there and give them a little taste of that. Like it was like, just because your record's going on a MTV, bro, doesn't mean that you're you're gonna knock somebody else off of here just because you got you have overnight success, you know. So no, hundred percent, man. Um, and just like you were saying earlier about like how you're gonna get Blink One Eighty Two a thousand dollars the following year, but they blew up in so millions of records, but um. But- if a band had signed a contract to be in the Warp Tour for two hundred and fifty dollars to play on the flatbed, but then they had a hit, they had a contract, so that's just how it had to be. You know what I mean? Some didn't like it, and some just, like I said, some forty one just fucking did it. You know what I mean? Like it was awesome. Yeah, I think there's a couple bands that like pulled off that started blowing up like before they, you know, got there. Mm. And I, I don't remember which ones, and some of them were hard to hard to get to play the Warp Tour. But in general, it was a good equalizer. You know, the Warp yeah. Tour was like places where you couldn't be out of line. And if you were, you were going to get sounded. And I remember 311 came in kind of hot. You know, they, yeah. they, uh, they wound up being super cool guys, but they came in with like the most expensive bus money could buy. And they're like stage clear and stage blackout. And we're just like, no, nah, dude, that's not how it works. <laughs> yes. blackout. Yeah. That lasted like two days. And we're just like, Hey bro, we hang, we all watch each other. We all participate. Yeah. Like, you need to stop this shit. And they're like, oh, we didn't know. We just like our management. Because they obviously started blowing up and they got a manager that's like, clear the stage, walkie-talkies, and, you know, fucking don't look at the singer, you know, like that yeah. kind of shit. No, no. Yeah. No. For, <laughs> for the listeners, a stage blackout means nobody's allowed on stage but the band and crew, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that was And that's how not how it went down the warp. There was like hundreds of us on stage watching everybody every night hanging I, out. Yeah. I didn't get up there. And, and, uh, they were actually, you know, after they were informed, like, that that's not how it works here. You don't get to black out the stage. They're like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. And then, you know, everybody started coming up and hanging out, and that was a great tour. So they were super cool dudes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and didn't work uh, well as um, well. What I was going to say is, uh, if you had to choose, like, top five or just whatever it, inspirational bands for you, like, that really... Because I know you're, you're about lyrics and the message, and that's what you pride yourself on, your band on, and... And, and making making a difference in the world and what what is what are some of the bands that inspired you to 
I know, I know, we, I know, we did the minor threat versus black flag the other day. I was really happy you picked minor threat because I always have this argument with Chappelle. But um, what is just some top influences as far as music? Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, black flag and minor threat. Yeah, descendants. Uh, you know, one of my favorite Ooh. bands. But lyrical content, you know, for them, Bill was just writing love songs the whole time, mostly but, farting uh, and drinking coffee. Yeah. And like you're writing songs about fishing and broken boat motors, and but then you know, which like, is dope back then. Nobody was singing shit like that, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, um, good, good things or something Ooh, pops up. Yeah, you now like they have they have deep songs, emotional songs. But I, I mean, I wouldn't say I was influenced by their lyrics, but I just they were a band that was highly influential just because I went to school with them. Yeah, I watched them grow, grew up watching them play backyard parties, and and they're just like such a fun band really really cool band um ted kennedy's you know is a band that i was into very early and their lyrical content Dude. you know was super political and super socially political and i really really liked i mean i still like if i put on ted kennedy's record i remember basically every word you oh know? yeah me too um, seven seconds had some yes. great positivity in there and unity type yes. stuff wound up you know jason was a huge penny a, a huge seven seconds fan and we all were but he really brought a lot of that to, to our lyrics um psol which yes i didn't really you know their lyrical content was all over the map obviously but it was once again uh, a, a band that like was highly influential and just like every song had a had a different meaning to me and uh, i actually looked up anarchy in the fucking encyclopedia when i was a freshman at like school wow and, and superficial love abolish government mm -hmm. like all those songs were in they were subheadings in this encyclopedia under anarchy properties theft um like it, it, yeah and jack would never admit to it i told him and he's like i don't know what you're talking about like bullshit you pulled all that shit out of the encyclopedia and wrote songs. <laughs> but, you can right, fuck the dead still, and abolish the government with tso is all it was everywhere he, he still won't admit it to this day but uh <laughs> and i wish i would have stolen that encyclopedia because i don't know what edition it was but i'll never find it again but yeah i mean you That's know cool. there's there's so many bands that i've been into i mean every everyone from bad brains to the negroes to nice SFA to you know uh, circle jerks just like i don't know to me it was just pouring my ears and and let me go so i think everybody yeah every punk rock band influenced me um as far as my personality but like as far as songwriting stuff it it you know you got you got a little bit of everything man I, but i think you know the social awareness and being like you know positive and trying to make the world a better place even though that's hypocritical coming from me because half the time i'm breaking shit but you know in <laughs> in the goal is to try to help people and and put people on a, a better path and do do your thing you know do what you can to and it sounds so cliche leave the world better than when you came in but like for sure. really it really is important because you got these generations of kids to come and they you know they look up to musicians and as mentors and if you're just talking about drugs and sex and shooting people and you know like all that 
the whole other side of music, whether it's metal or, you know, gangster rap, which is all, it all has its place. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I like to be on the side of like, Hey, let's, you know, here's some problems. Let's talk about them. Let's try to figure out how to solve them. And let's, let's try to make the world, you know, a, a little bit better, leave it, leave it better for our, our kids, grandkids and, and so forth. So, I kind of lean towards those lyrics as my as the most inspirational in in my life. No, I love that, and um, and just also like seeing you last Saturday, like you and Doug from Dag Nasty were all of us together watching Turnstile, which is like a new band, and for me, Turnstile embodies everything I love about punk and hardcore energy, fun, positivity, lyrics, and like just watching, like feeling like an older guy there, but also looking at the new generation of kids, like. In, in the hands of that band makes me so happy because it it's such a good energy yeah i mean it's it, it i mean i think like if you compare like that to like tsol adolescent show in 1981 like completely different like one of them was super scary and dangerous <laughs> yeah. and, and and like you were literally fearing for your life at times and that was like that was dangerous but it wasn't scary everyone's mm-hmm. taking care of everybody is a real good like vibe um mixed between like punk rock and hardcore those, those guys rip and i mean i've been trying to turn you know as many people on them as i can for a Me while too. but they uh you know they're just right there it, it's 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 crazy because just when you think like it's all stale and there's nothing's gonna come and what's is there yeah. a new genre coming like i wouldn't call them a new genre but they're kind of like a mix of everything uh, a bunch of things and um attitude wise they're cool they're just happy dudes and they're just uh, out there doing it so for me uh <clears throat> it's good to see uh that that coming up and 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 the music going that direction and the scene going that direction because it needs uh you know hold on one sec sorry okay. i'm on an interview bit um so uh, no, um sorry yeah so so anyways uh yeah it's just good to see that direction um of positivity and people take care of each other and i mean it looks violent but yeah they're crazy but it's so like everybody's looking out for you yeah i took a couple videos which is like i really don't like doing that yeah i was like insane i took a couple of videos quick ones and i rewatched them and i was like damn everybody's taking care of themselves like it looked a lot crazier and more chaotic but it was kind of controlled like when someone's coming someone's watching out for them I mean, yeah. definitely high energy shit but yeah it's a it's a friendly atmosphere and um it's good to see see it moving in that direction because uh that's what we need more of you know more positivity and more uh taking care of each other 100 percent. and one of the last things i'm gonna say and i think you pretty much said it though is like like what do you want your legacy to be when you're gone off this planet obviously the music you wrote and all the stuff you contributed to the world with 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 pennywise and everything you've been involved in and, and the museum and everything i guess that's going to speak for itself as far as like when fletcher's not here anymore you leave behind all this great music and and passion and love for this music and this scene that um kind of saved I, your life in a way you know yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if I didn't get in a band and start touring the world and seeing like, whoa, this, you know, you live in a bubble. And, totally. And, you, and that's the problem with most of the people I, I know around here in the United States, people I meet, they, they just think this is it. It's like, no, no, go to Japan, go to Europe, go to, you know, Italy, go to Australia, go to South America, 
get some culture, learn some other things. We don't we don't have it all dialed in here in America. America is a great place, but we got a lot of work to do and a lot of learning, and we could learn from other people. And people get so stubborn and caught up in their in their in their ways that they don't realize there are other ways. And other, yes, not like you go to Europe, dude, and you hit like head out for a beer and a cigarette and, and on a sidewalk cafe, and you're like, whoa, why is this so? much more relaxed than anything I've done. (laughs) And like, what what are these people doing? It's like, they just sit there for hours, not getting wasted, just, you know, enjoying a three hour dinner, three hour coffee. Yeah. 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 yeah, Have a coffee. Like it's, it's like, we're in a fucking rat race over here. We're consumer slaves. We're programmed to be fucking work, 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 buy, 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 work, 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 buy, 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 buy more work, get yourself in debt because you got to have the best car, the biggest house or the coolest clothes. And you go to Europe and a lot of that's stripped away. I mean, there's some of it there, but people are just more organic um, and just not worried about this rat race. I mean, there's like there's cities over there where they just won't even allow a fucking McDonald's in there. And like, they won't, if there is a McDonald's, the sign's like two foot by two foot. It's like, yeah, you can put one over here, but you can't fucking advertise. Like they, they really take pride in like keeping it old school and not making it overly commercial. And you know, that America's just all about commercialization. So I think, you know, people, you need to, need to open your eyes. But I mean, for me, like that's, you know, one of the goals is to like take in everything around the world and find the best shit and and try to like implement that in a daily life over here. And then at the same time, like tell people about it and write songs about it and, and about just life in general and, and try to, you know, try to encourage people to, to be positive and not you know like there's always it's, there's always a new day like my favorite songs like every single day mm-hmm. living for today it's like first of all yeah you literally could you know i just had a good friend i think i even mentioned it like who his mom had a stomachache basically and she went to the hospital like you have widespread yeah. cancer like you know hopefully she makes it but like if you're not living yourself to the living your life to the fullest every day which once again sounds cliche but like slipping in the shower, choking on a chicken bone, getting yeah. cancer, hit by a bus, like friggin' palm tree falls on your head, you know, like this shit happens and you need to not have, well, you can have regrets for doing dumb shit. Cause I yeah. got a few of them, but like <laughs> you need to not have any regrets. Like, Oh man, I should have gone to Hawaii. I should have, you know, learned yeah. how to motorcycle. I should have, you know, gone skateboarding. I should have taken some chances in life. And a lot of people, don't do that and then when it's too late they're like fuck what a shit have could have so i don't know yeah up there live your life to the fullest and try to um you know enjoy things make the world a better place and try to you know just uh you know do do it yeah i love that man i appreciate your time and i learned so much more about you too like you we've known each other for a really long time toured a bunch but you know not hung out and had conversations so this this means a lot to me and i learned a lot more about you and um just everything i think people are gonna well people already listened to the episode at this point but just you talking about the environment all that stuff was one of my most favorite parts like you just schooling even me who i barely talk about veganism on this podcast because people already know i am that and i did talk about in the past but but just fletcher talking about the environment all that was just like damn, I, I love it i love how conscious you are about what's happening all around you always you know 
I just got to I just got to implement my consciousness into reality. <laughs> right? That's that's the hard part. I mean, it's baby steps. Baby I know. Steps. I want to take you to Crossroads. I want to hit you up and go get some food sometime over here. Yeah, we cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a really good spot down here. If you're down here, I'll take okay. you to it. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like you know, people need to educate themselves. That's like the European idea of like. Yeah. Just like don't be so close-minded and don't think other countries are doing it wrong or that we're the best and we've got a perfect like uh, you got to educate yourself on all on all fronts and yeah. when you do that and you can't deny what you've learned because you research it I'm like a big research guy and you go whoa yeah I can't really think this way anymore because I just disproved that shit so education and uh, which is another hypocritical thing since I didn't even go to fucking high school but just <laughs> educate, educate yourself on shit that's important to you or even things that you know aren't but yeah do that and, and then implement implement that in your life and just I don't know try to you know try to try to have fun but at the same time you know try to try to improve 100% and your education is not from a book it's from world traveling it's from seeing the world and living every day to the fullest and having experiences meeting different people in different countries so that's that's your education from real life experiences and that's I think that's amazing yeah I mean that's really like the best education to me is being educated on the streets and yeah it doesn't have to be the streets of LA it's like books are great and and history's great and all that shit but uh, you know being out there in the real world and and like meeting real people and hearing real stories and seeing how other governments work and other medical systems yeah. work and oh wait you broke your femur and it was ten bucks you you got to open your dad got open heart surgery and it was three dollars how much yeah. your prescription free oh wait your your parents are in what this is a nursing home yeah like all the old people go here what like all our mm. old people go to these fucking shitholes where they're getting abused like. We we have so much work to do on how we treat our our fellow humans, like the yeah. the disabled, the veterans, the elderly. Like we we need a lot of. My mom's living on nine hundred bucks a month right now, or, or no, eleven hundred dollars a month. That won't even pay her fucking wow. rent, let alone her car insurance, her fucking health insurance, her you know prescriptions. Like, and you go to somewhere like Germany, and and they're like pimping in like some really nice crib with everything they need like yeah. and not struggling that's our elderly should not be like put out to pasture to suffer and, and just like barely get by or not even get by you know it's yeah. it's insane social security is a fucking joke we spend billions trillions of dollars on on nuclear weapons but we can't take care of our old people it's it's fine i could go on for fucking 20 hours on this shit but no, like that's true we're, we're fucked up and we need that we need to make things better and the only way to make things better is by educating yourself and finding out how other people do shit that's working it's like wait why are they number one the most educated country in the world finland i'm confused well fucking find out motherfucker and then implement that in america and make america yeah. the most educated tons of shit tons of shit going on out there just just don't be close-minded open your eyes look around and learn some learn some shit that might make you uncomfortable i love it dude fletcher thank you so much man fucking Appreciate you so much, and uh, I really appreciate your time and and your friendship for like um, over twenty years, man. I really do. Long time, good Long times. Time. And, That's a bit good times. And we're gonna get more to come. What more to come? And this get impossible burger soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. All right, Fletch. Thank you, brother. I'll speak to you soon. That was awesome. All right. all right, brother. Bye. Thanks. Have a good one. Tell Moon hi. I will. Toby. Bye. I mean, Max. I will. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 
Hey y'all, Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash O-L-O-C and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, if not, you could try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code O-L-O-C for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.